0: So, I just got the State Farm personal price plan on my car insurance. So you told your agent you play the bagpipes for your dog? Ah. What? No, I didn't get that. Personal, my agent just helped me create an affordable price just for me. Okay, let
1: me show you what I've been working on. Hey, Buster!
2: Contact local agent Elvis Gates in Long Beach today.
1: Prices vary by state. Options selected by customer. Availability and eligibility may vary.
3: Welcome to the radio and podcast side of Spaced Out Radio tonight. My name is Dave Scott. We're going to be talking Bigfoot with Thomas Seawood tonight. We're going to get the show going momentarily as we are on roll call for our audience on YouTube and on Spreaker, which means we are waiting diligently for Bill WD-40 to enter the chat room and lube us up for tonight's show because you always want to go into a show nice and smooth. Scan Man, how you doing? Paul Demon. What's going on? There's Bill WD-40, currently lubing up as we speak. Yeah. Hey, I want to remind you, the Super Chat is open. It's a wonderful way to support what we do on this show on a nightly basis. So thank you so much for everything that you do as an audience. We very much appreciate it. And what else can I tell you here? All right. Our store is open on our website, spacedoutradio.com. We do not have ugly swag, people. Nothing ugly about our swag, so make sure you go in there, you do a little shopping, and uh, you know with Christmas coming up. And by the way, I do encourage all brawling as Black Friday is away. You might shop online, but you know what? You're going to have to beat some people up to get our t-shirts. Okay, do it right, America. Let's get this thing going. Cecil, how you doing, my man? Long time no time. Horns up! Let's rock. From the mountains of central British Columbia to you listening around the world. This, my friends, is Spaced Out Radio. I am your host, Dave Scott, sitting in the captain's chair of SOR headquarters. We welcome you to tonight's show on our terrestrial affiliates around North America, digitally on Odyssey Radio, Top talk, talk Stream Live, and KPNL. All of our archives are free. Join us at YouTube.com forward slash Spaced Out Radio. Do old Davey the favor, hit that subscribe button. You can follow us on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio instagram at spaced out radio show and you can join us on patreon in the sor space travelers club our website spacedoutradio.com. we have a plethora of features for you rock out to bumblefoot read the news wire check out our swag as well tonight's show is brought to you by chive charities help make the world 10 percent happier by visiting chive charities today you can find them on our website We got a great show of entertainment and value tonight. We get into the Bigfoot world. Thomas Seawood is here from his beautiful home in Washington State to talk about the Big Hairy Beast. Then, in hour number three, Steve Stockton will be here for another great story on Among the Missing. Following up that, we will have Super Duke with the Cryptid Report. Thomas Seawood is a First Nations member in Canada who was born in Alert Bay off the northeastern Vancouver Island in 1965. He became interested in his people's art as a boy, watching the great carvers that are no longer with us creating. His father took him to the carving sheds to work, and Thomas would play or sleep in the cedar chips upon the floors. Some may know Thomas from his television series Aboriginal Adventures or the many appearances he makes on Sasquatch and Bigfoot television shows, movies, podcasts and conferences sharing the stories and beliefs of the of the creature this being the sasquatch that people know all about and you know what it's been a long time about a year or so since i had thomas on this show and i love it when he is on because there is no one more interesting to talk to about this than thomas how you doing my friend it's always good to have you back on spaced out radio doing good thanks for having me back on absolutely my friend what have you been up to how has your 2023 been in search of the sasquatch
4: been busy very busy i've finally able to be home here for a bit working on my art you can see all the art behind me here i'm working on that bowl right now of uh our sasquatch to the clock Walkie, Walk people and i'm getting commissions for people wanting more sasquatch art than anything else so staying busy and then also getting ready for 2024 all the conferences that they're we're getting booked for we just finished in september the first ever alaska bigfoot cruise with gather up events we went from seattle to ketchikan alaska juno huna which is icy straight point and then back down to seattle and there was uh, 200 cabins sold out with almost 400 people and we had a blast on there, and
3: I just would have had to go to AA when I got back after eight days of having drinks. <laughs> <laughs> See, I would be in trouble at, at something like that. I really would because as a non-drinker, I would probably uh, break my, uh, my sobriety from that, but that's okay. That's what the fun about Sasquatch is all about. Thomas, you are somebody who is extremely well-known on this subject you you're more of a flesh and blood person than a woo type of of person when it comes to this creature you've grown up around it you've had multiple encounters with this your heritage has stories going back generation upon generation about interactions with sasquatch how special is this creature to you
4: well to me after seeing him quite a few times and you know being just close as I am to you, you know, five, six feet away and looking at their facial features and just seeing how they act and everything. I've, I, I, at one time with Dr. John Binderdagel on Vancouver Island in the early nineties, when I met him, him and I both believed they were on the branch of Gigantopithecus Blackie. And uh, it was just before John passed that I went to him and I'm like, John, I don't think it's Gigantopithecus Blackie. I think they're humans. He go, I said, Then he goes, why? You know, he's a scientist. So he's like, why do you think they're human stuff? So I gave him all of my, you know, observations and doing the investigating and uh, interviewing people about their Sasquatches in the Pacific Northwest, Canada and the U.S. and Alaska. You know, I just said, to me, I think they're the perfect human. We all know as humans, if we believe in evolution, that our ancestors jumped out of a tree and they were quadrupedes. And eventually they quit dragging their knuckles and they stood up and they became bipedal and they would lose their body hair and their pronounced ridges on their brows. And they would become to what we are now, the hairless bipedal species of North America. Well, I think during that evolutionary path, I think the Sasquatch, what we call Sasquatches now, we were with them. And that's why I always say, um, uh, Sasquatch is not part human. We are part Sasquatch because during that evolutionary path, I believe that some of those early humans said, "Look, we're starting to use tools. We're using fire. Uh, we have uh, social structure. We now have." If we reflect to the gods, must be crazy from the 1980s how a empty Coca-Cola bottle disrupted a Bush tribe in South Africa to the point where they had envy, greed. Fighting violence when that girl bonked the other girl on the head with the empty Coke bottle because she wanted it. And the father, the clan leader, had to take that bottle to the edge of the world and throw it back to the gods because they must have been crazy to give them that pool, that materialistic piece of property that disrupted his clan. And I think some of our earlier ancestors said, This is BS. We can't be using fire. We shouldn't be napping rocks into arrowheads knives and spearheads because now we have all of this negativity that comes with it the greed the materialist materialism the infighting the warfare look what cool you know weapons got us we have putin biden and rocket man with their fingers above buttons ready to eradicate us with nuclear bombs because we started to use fire back in our evolutionary path Whereas Sasquatch, from what I learned from the Omaha Indian tribe when I was down there twice, and Lucas White, who's a good friend of mine on the tribe, he taught me that they have laws, very strict laws. They don't use tools. They don't use weapons. They don't have inter-Clan fights. And, you know, we do know they have rendezvous where they vocalize and gesture to one another and converge into what we would have a rendezvous for the mountain men back in the day and trappers, But the Indians in North America had powwow and potlatch. They had those yearly gatherings so that they could strengthen the species by spreading the seed. You know, you can't have intermarriage, you know, breeding within the clan because, you know, we know what incest brings. But when we look at the Sasquatches, to me, I just think they evolved to be bigger. Because the humans now had fire and weapons and mass, and they were the bipedal creature during the day that were in conflict with the Sasquatches, killing them because my tribe used to have strict laws where if someone went into your berry patch, fish harvesting area, clam digging shellfish zone, you could kill those thieves without any retaliation to your family or person who killed those thieves. So if my tribe was like that pre-contact and just afterwards for a limited time, just think about Sasquatches back in the old days when they have to compete with the hairless, bipedal tribespeople of North America, and we have weapons and fire and mass. Well, the Sasquatches would evolve further to become the bipedal creatures of the night, which I call them the humans of the night, because we know they have nocturnal vision. Their eyes reflect light. And they're mostly active at nighttime because they don't want to interact with us. They can't compete with us, especially now. We have guns and metal knives and so forth. So that's what my perspective of a Sasquatch is. They're the perfect human. They're just bigger, hairier, smell stronger, and have nocturnal vision.
3: So for you, growing up with this around you, these creatures around you, you've lived in cabins where they you've been surrounded, you, you've grown up in areas that are very desolate. I mean, for you, on a personal level, what does this creature mean to you? Um scares the hell out of me when I get close to them, I'll tell
4: you that, even to this day after decades in bush. But to me, they <laughs> I think about them. Indian in the 1970s in a TV commercial in Buckskin in a birch bark canoe paddled into the urban environment and sees the pollution, the smog, the gridlock traffic jam, the factories, the streams and rivers that were destroyed by our pollution. And at the end of the commercial, that car goes by him and a guy throws a bag of fast food garbage at his feet. And the end of the commercial is the Buckskin Indian with a tear coming down his eye it would start the green movement, environmentalism. It would kickstart Greenpeace and other environmental organizations. And that, to me, that Indian and buckskin is why we need to have conclusive proof of the existence of Sasquatch, because we as a species, the hairless bipedals, will hopefully finally smarten up and realize that we're sharing our North America Sasquatch island with another bipedal creatures, and if it is, as the DNA is starting to lean towards just human, then we're going to have the third indigenous tribe of the United States, and the fourth indigenous recognized tribe of Canada, and we already know what us Indians and Inuit cost the governments of Canada and the U.S., billions of dollars each year, and the indians are getting so powerful in british columbia that they're shutting down trophy bear hunting and wolf hunting and other hunting they're stopping pipelines and uh other industry they're you know some tribes are adamantly against logging and they're curtailing that can you imagine when sasquatch is finally identified the indians are going to step up with the environmental non-government organizations environmentalists And we're going to see what we saw with the marbled murrelet and the spotted owl in the early 90s, where hundreds of millions of hectares of lands were taken off the resource extraction development process. And with Sasquatch, we're going to see, you know, People are going to be told, even on your private property, because it's possibly Sasquatch habitat, you're not going to be able to remove those trees without an environmental process and impact studies and permitting. You know, you're going to have uh, industry shut down from logging and mining and pipeline development and urban sprawl development. And so to me, we need that. Because the present path that we hairless bipedals are going on, we're doomed to destruction of our species. You know, we'll defecate where we grow and harvest our food. We'll even grow our prawns and shrimp in human feces and animal feces. And that's why I don't eat any shrimp or prawn that says farmed in the grocery stores. And I prefer wild if I can get it, but, you know, uh, myself harvesting. But, you know, if I can buy it, I make sure it's wild harvest because that... Uh, farmed industrial what they pawn off is shrimp is this garbage and you know this is what we need we need the smack upside the head so to speak to be get with the program and start seeing that maybe we should start mass developing our solar projects and our wind farms and looking at the petroleum industry to get away from fossil fuels and you know start developing hydrogen more for our vehicles and other things you know we're on that path but we're dragging our butts about it and we need a reality check and that's where i see the conclusive proof of sasquatch is really gonna wake us up and get us on the right
3: path with so many people who have been seeing sasquatch over the decades it doesn't matter we're just focusing on north america right now we know that there are creatures like it around the world we got the Yowie, the yeti just to name a couple okay yep. but focusing on north america with this why do you think we are still looking for this creature? Why are we having so much trouble to prove its ex- its existence?
4: Because we're the dumbest critter on the planet, and most of those
3: bumbling, stumbling
4: people, especially when someone says, "I'm a Sasquatch researcher," right away I go, "Egomaniac! You're not a researcher until you get a Diane Fossey Jane Goodall interaction with the clan or a Sasquatch. Until then." You're an ego maniac because you're not a researcher. We call ourselves stumbling, bumbling investigators like me, and we're speculating on Sasquatch because we don't have that interaction. Even though I've come close and one of my team members is getting has been really close, and hopefully we can get that interaction going. But most humans, they don't do the number one thing like Lewis and Clark did. When Lewis and Clark wanted to find the Skookumchuck, the big saltwater on the other side of this big, massive landmass that we call North America, I call Sasquatch Island, be smarter, charter an Indian guide. He went and hired Indian guides, Sacajawea being one of them. And we can look at every other explorer who found British Columbia's uh, heads of inlets and gold fields, and the list goes on. They hired Indians. So most of the investigators I see, and that's why I'm an investigator and I guess you could say a, a Sasquatch celebrity where I'm on TV and I'm at conferences and so forth, I'm getting the message out. If you want to find Sasquatch, look in your backyards into the traditional territories and the tribe that lives as your neighbor and has lived there for thousands of years and go meet them, introduce yourself, ask them protocol and permission to investigate the Sasquatches in their traditional territories, your backyard, and then ask them, how do you say, hello, I don't know who you are, I come in peace, in your language, so that when you do get permission from the Indians and you go out, you now have their perspectives and beliefs and encounters and seasonal migrations where you should go to find your Sasquatch, and then in turn, when, like you, had one close to you, you're able to say, yo, hello i don't know who you are sasquatch what
0: are
4: you up to sasquatch and like me you might hear back and they move off he said i'm fine and mumbled something else i didn't understand but he knew i came in peace and i wasn't a threat and he just moved away you know that's happened three or four times with me out in my bush life and this is what you know I think every investigator sasquatch enthusiast needs to do go meet your local indian tribe and in turn you're going to find all these doors opening up to you to make it so that when you do go out and do what i call bush chess that's playing chess with a sasquatch you're going to have to learn things and that's one of the reasons why i do sasquatch investigations i do training programs with people in washington state and vancouver island and elsewhere. I'll even fly to your state or your province and teach you how to play bush chess, how to get close to a Sasquatch and where to find them at seasonal times of the year. Are they migratory? Absolutely. Seasonal migratory within their clan territory.
3: Okay, so what would be their range? Like, for instance, you know where I live in the Caribou of British Columbia. Okay, to the west we have the Fraser River, which is very dangerous to cross. To the east we have it, it goes right to the Rockies. And if you go north, it goes to the Arctic. If you go south, well, we're a few hours from the from the border in Washington state. So, I mean, would they be heading to warmer climate, or are they following the, the, the food path like deer and rabbit? What, what do they do?
4: It's all about abundant seasonal protein. And within a defined area, and on Vancouver Island in the mainland, just north and east of Vancouver Island, north part, I have found in my, well, I can call it research there because I'm researching the Indians because my Indian tribes of the Kwakwakiwak Nation, we have 16 recognized tribal groups that have their defined territories, some overlap, but you'll find that geological prominent features, a point, a river, uh, island, mountains, that defines a boundary. And when I started to correlate my tribal boundaries and seasonal migration for wintertime shellfish, springtime herring spawn areas, and uh, late mid-spring ooligan smelt at the head of the glacier melt rivers, and then your big tides of May and June during the daytime exposing shellfish like scallops rock scallops abalone sea urchins and other things because they're big tides during daylight and seaweeds that are just starting to grow which are all edible and then you have your salmon coming in and or your berries come in and then your fawn drops which are in june on vancouver island where the sasquatches are migrating up into the alpines where the fawn drops are taking place with the ungulates the elk and the deer and the mountain goat And then when they look down in August, in July, they look down and see the forest fires and all the stupid, hairless humans having their homes and their communities burned by forest fires because we live in the forest or edge of it. Well, the Sasquatch is above the forest, the Alpine, and they just watch the forest fires sweep by them. And if they're getting smoked out up in the Alpine, they just go down and up the other mountain and watch the forest fire go and smoke go past them. But when they do look down in Vancouver Island area and, uh, beginning of august and they see the backs of eagles and they see white dots of seagulls flying in the creeks and streams the salmon have returned the sasquatches migrate down for the salmon this time of the year at the end of october mid-november when the monsoon season starts as it is now and the rivers blow out the salmon swan ends the rivers are too deep and flooded for sasquatch to harvest anyway they might
1: Holiday.
0: Make your holidays magical with Kinder Joy, the unique chocolatey treat plus toy. One half of its iconic egg shape contains layers of sweet creams with crispy wafer bites. The other half has a fun holiday toy designed to spark a child's imagination. Kinder Joy makes the perfect stocking stuffers and great gifts for kids. So open a world of surprise this holiday season. Pick up Kinder Joy at your favorite retailer today.
4: great swim if they have to to the shellfish beaches. So when I looked at that and I did correlated it to the Sasquatch reports going back 30, 40 years and finding out that, wow, the cinnamon Sasquatches seem to stay in this area, which encompasses this Kwakwaka'wakw tribal territory. And then the one-eyed Sasquatch that got shot by a person 15 years ago he seems to be in this area which correlates to this indian tribe on vancouver island so it's almost like the tribal territories of the indians correlate and overlap to the clan territories of the sasquatches through the reports of what sasquatches were seen at given times during those different abundant seasonal protein sources that are you know found in heavy abundance like uh herring spawns you know the herring spawns are generally in given areas but you know you can walk into the water ankle deep and bend down and pick up five gallon bucket of herring in 15 minutes or less so can you imagine being a sasquatch they know where these seasonal migrations are but then we have the reports of sasquatches going over mountaintops and even being videoed in the squamish area twice mission once in british columbia and what i see is that individual seems big males, traversing snow caps to go into another region. That's the nature's code. We always have to have that genetic strengthening of a species by spreading our seed. So it's just uh, maybe a younger male that got kicked out of his clan or a big dominant male that got ousted by a younger male well, is he going to stick around? It's like getting kicked out by your ex-wife. You going to stick around your ex-wife? No, mine's—I call her my ex-monster. I don't want to be with her evilness, you know. So I moved, migrated away from her, like Sasquatches do when they get toppled as a clan leader. But then that opens up another quandary of what is a rogue. Well, a rogue is a Sasquatch that's gone postal. It got ousted as a clan family leader by a younger male because that's nature's code. But it went postal. Something snapped upstairs. And I snapped when I got kicked out in 2008 from my mother and my children. And I wanted to do some nasty things. And I went to the bush and lived like a Sasquatch for a long time. And I did that back in the early 1990s for months living in the bush because I snapped because of a girlfriend who did something to me that and uh, other things. So I know what the Sasquatches are like, so rogues, when I hear about them, to me, they're Sasquatches that were displaced, but they got bigger, more aggressive, and they're lone lone survivors, so to speak.
3: Thomas, we're going to take a break here on Spaced Out Radio, learning more about the Sasquatch tonight from the legendary researcher Thomas Seawood. We will be right back with more on the legendary Bigfoot, right here on Spaced Out Radio. We'll be right back. All right, we are clear. You called me a researcher. <laughs> yeah, well, you know <laughs> uh, hey, you know you know my definition of how to tell if a if a researcher is bullshit or not Oh if they use the word squatch.
4: I totally agree with you.
3: <laughs> yeah. If, if you're going squatching, you have nothing to do with Bigfoot research or trying to do anything. Just before I forget, what's your email? Dave at spacedoutradio.com. Okay. Hi, Thurston Howell Third. The old man on Benny Hill was the best, especially when Benny Hill would top – uh pat his top of the of his head. Love that. Yeah. Love that. Oh. Let's see your hat. Oh, this way? Sasko- oh Sascoch Island. Nice. Yeah. That's my shirt. Oh, very look, look. nice. Very nice.
4: Yeah, I better send you some scrog.
3: Love it. Love it, man.
4: So, can SasquatchTheLegend.com sponsor one of your shows or something?
3: We can figure something out. We yeah. can, we, we can figure something out. We're just uh, getting that part figured out. Give me a couple weeks on that. Pink Volo, how listeners are you? many you got? Um fluctuates between our nighttime listeners on our radio side and then our YouTube side and our podcast side, thousands, tens of thousands, maybe over a hundred thousand or more. Cool. Don't forget to send
4: me a link for this one. And I'll post it on Sasquatch Island.
3: Yeah, for sure, buddy. For Sure. Uh, Vanessa, we're not going to play that card here. Okay. If you're just going to stir it up and play cards because of somebody else's opinion, we don't do that here. I'm done with drama in the chat room. Okay. And no, my channel hasn't gone downhill, Vanessa. So you can either erase that comment or I will erase it for you. All right. No, not not that. Not you're Vanessa one. We're talking about Vanessa two right now. Okay, I think uh, she's on Grandma's perfume right now. So yeah, (laughs) no, no nobody's playing that shit in my in my chat room. I'm done with the drama in the chat room, and uh, um, there's going to be some new rules coming up. You got to remember, people, especially if you're new. My chat room isn't a democracy, okay? It's a Davocracy, okay? Uh, or or Davunism, whatever you want to call it, okay? The uh, I don't care, Vanessa. You know what, Vanessa? You go have a, a lonely drink. We're gonna give you a five minute major for mouthing off. Okay. <laughs> so you're you're done for five minutes, and uh if you smarten up or or whatever, then you can you can come back and and uh you know, be nice. But my rules I I, I don't understand where you think that you can say what you want in my chat room. Hi Sandra, hi Sandra Hi, Sandra. All right. No, that's ending too there, Ross Dog. Okay, no more. There's going to be no more drama in my chat room. Tired of it, especially after last night. Tired of it. It's dead to me. Okay, (coughs) trying to have a good show and a good night. And in two good shows at two nights, and I got to worry about chat room bullshit. Vash the Impaler, how you doing? And uh, JBD, how you doing, man? Thank you, Paul Demon. My beard feels great right now. Feels fantastic, preacher. I'll be giving you a call tomorrow. I Lost Souls trilogy, how you doing, Stu Gerson? Duck fan, how you doing? 22 seconds super chat is open it's a wonderful way to support what we do on this show on a nightly basis you can shop at our store and our website spacedoutradio.com and join the space travelers club for as low as five bucks a month here and uh yeah here we go with the second half hour everybody hold on tom Second half hour of Spaced Out Radio is now underway. Thank you so much for joining us. My name is Dave Scott. Very much appreciate earning your listening ears. Reminder to all of you, if you want to enjoy this show more often or catch more of it, you can check out our free archives on YouTube or on any major podcast network like Spotify, iHeartRadio, Google Play, iTunes. Yeah, we're all right there. Our website, spacedoutradio.com. We have a plethora of features for you. Rock out to Bumblefoot. Read the news wire. Check out our swag as well. Follow us on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio, Instagram at Spaced Out Radio Show, and you can join us on Patreon in the Sor Space Travelers Club. Here we go, Thomas Seawood, hanging out with us, talking Sasquatch, and just a information filled first half hour with Thomas, and we're going to keep that going right now here my friend. Thomas thank you for joining us tonight. Thank you. All right tell us about Sasquatch Island. What makes this place so Sasquatch friendly? Where is it? What's it all about?
4: We're standing and sitting on it.
3: North America. Every
4: Indian, a lot of Indian tribes referred to North America as Turtle Island because of In the north of Canada, Hudson's Bay is the mouth of the turtle, the Aleutian Islands, a flipper, Labrador, Newfoundland, a flipper, the body, Canada, U.S. into Mexico, Baja, a flipper on the back, Florida, another flipper, Mexico, Central America.
1: Zycam knows that when you live life to the fullest, you never want to let a cold slow you down. With Zycam's cold shortening products, you can actually shorten colds when taken at the first sign. And with the winter chill in the air, you need the number one cold shortening brand to help shorten a cold when taken at the first sign this season. Because you should never let a cold stop you from missing out on your favorite moments of the season. Click here to shop Zycam, the number one cold shortening brand.
0: Make your holidays magical with Kinder Joy, the unique chocolatey treat plus toy. One half of its iconic egg shape contains layers of sweet creams with crispy wafer bites. The other half has a fun holiday toy designed to spark a child's imagination. Kinder Joy makes the perfect stocking stuffers and great gifts for kids. So open a world of surprise this holiday season. Pick up Kinder Joy at your favorite retailer today.
4: Tale of the Turtle. I'm a Sasquatchologist, not a UFOologist. So, how my ancestors knew that, I guess they went for a flight in a UFO, but I'm not going to get into it. But North America, Turtle Island, the native Indians, a lot of tribes referred to it. I call it Sasquatch Island because every Indian tribe has a name, perspectives, beliefs, encounter stories about their local Sasquatch, skunk ape, whatever they call it. And then everyone who isn't an Indian, Inuit, that have ancestors came here and the new people that still come here in immigration to this day they have encounters with these big hair covered bipedal creatures and they have their stories and reports and so forth so North America is Sasquatch Island it's a
3: continent but it's still an island it's surrounded in water <laughs> very true you know I never looked at it that way my man never looked at it because I know you I always thought and pardon my ignorance on this but when you talked about Sasquatch Island, and I knew you always did a lot of research on Vancouver Island, I thought you were actually had an island that you nicknamed Sasquatch Island because there was so much action on an island up north there.
4: Well, like anything with marketing, it's uh, about getting people to wonder and to reach out and communicate with you. So when I have people email me, message me, phone me, walk into me and go, where's Sasquatch Island? You're standing on it. And then I tell them why. And like you, they get, wow, I thought it was just one sole island. Well, yeah, it is, North America. But what about Vancouver Island? That's where you're from. I'm like, well, not me, but other people have coined the term ape island. So let's keep it at that, that Vancouver Island is referred to as ape island.
3: Right. You have been investigating this creature all over the continent. And what differences have you learned from place to place?
4: The ones up in the Northwest Territories, uh, when I lived up there for over a year, and the reports I got up there they're very aggressive and really big. And uh, those ones, like the Native people taught me, seems that they uh, hibernate up there. Like, they disappeared during the wintertime. I don't blame them. It was over 40 below when I was up there. It's crazy cold. And then, uh, you know, you... Down in Omaha, when I saw two of them with a mono fleur, a pregnant female over six foot and a big male, her partner, who was uh, probably over seven foot, you know, they were not under 100 yards from us when we saw them in this fleur. And, my God, they they were just, they look similar to the ones in Vancouver Island region. But what really caught me was their Bubba Gump's buddy with the big hang lip. That's what they both looked like. And they had really pronounced brow ridges. And they had that sort of blazed donut face, like uh, someone who's, you know, you know, mentally, you know, you know, fetal alcohol syndrome would be a good example. You know, I'm an Indian, you know, I've seen a few people with severe fetal alcohol syndrome. And that's what they reminded me of. And right away, you know, when I was lying in bed late that night, trying to sleep, I'm trying to think, why did they look like that? It looked different than the Vancouver Island Sasquatch. So I got up and I went to my laptop and I pulled up Google Earth and I looked at Omaha Indian Reservation where I was. And after driving around it, I realized that the Omaha Indian Reservation still has the original hardwood, black walnut, chestnut, hardwood forest. But we're all around it is the forests have been leveled for industrial farms, and it's just flatlands and farm fields. So I think that on the Omaha Indian Reservation, there's so much activity on there. Crazy. And, uh, you know, we saw numerous flur hits that were more than likely Sasquatches, Sitonga, as they call them in Omaha tongue. But I think there's interbreeding going on there because it's this little enclave surrounded by Iowa, Kansas to the south, Nebraska to the east, and I think it's South Dakota to the north, but, and cities up north. So to me, you know, it's something that really spooked me, seeing that interbreeding where they had that really, like you see with interbred humans, that they had the same look. And it intrigued me. And, you know, other places I've been in, you know, throughout the Pacific Northwest, North America, I even went to Salt Lake Fort Park. I believe that's Ohio. Yeah, Ohio. I went there for... uh 2017 for creature weekend it's one of my plaques on the wall but uh when i went there everyone was you know first night of course what do you do when you go to a sasquatch conference so i crack the beers and chatter chatter like a bunch of half-cut sasquatches but the next night you know i went after we finished dinner and everything and interacting about 8:30, 9 o'clock um i went to sleep and I got two hours sleep And well, uh, I went to the bar afterwards, about 10.45, and everyone's, hey, Tom, sit down, have a beer, I'll buy you a beer. Like, it's all right, I'll be back in a few minutes. I'm going for a smoke. Well, I actually went outside. I'm in Ohio. I'm in a Salt Fork State Park, one of the well-known Sasquatch hotspots. Am I going to sit second night and drink beer with a bunch of drunks? Hell no, I'm going investigating. And what's the best place? to look for investigating the Sasquatch at night, high abundant food source, so I went to a little hill just above the dumpsters behind the resort, and I sat there and I was downwind from the dumpsters because I could smell them, and they smelled terrible because it was pretty warm, but uh, something came out after two hours sitting there around quarter to one in the morning, I could see something in the shadows, and it was big and big shouldered, and you see the head and, you know, I didn't see it clear enough. Maybe it was a Sasquatch. I went next day and did truthing and went and tracked. And I'm a professional tracker because I was a grizzly bear, black bear hunting guide for decades. So I know how to track. And I tracked. And I went in the bush about 30, 40 yards when I came across a pretty respectable footprint, about 14 inches long. And was it what I saw sort of try to come out towards the dumpsters, but there was a vehicle that was moving and it pulled back and 10 minutes later tried again and there was people outside smoking doobies and you know making a bunch of noise and the thing just backed off and didn't go for the dumpsters and i was getting tired so i was just like i gotta sleep i gotta perform in the morning and speak so i better go to bed at 1 one thirty, two o'clock and i didn't get to see my salt fork sasquatch but i sure as hell tried and that's what a true investigator does you know always investigate.
3: All right. I want to ask you, you know, about the Northwest Territories because, you know, there's always the famous story about the Headless Valley and whether or not that is something, Thomas, that is a Sasquatch like creature that doesn't want humans in its territory. And to this day, it's believed that, you know, any type of tour or any type of hiking is forbidden in that area because of the potential of violence and people being. (coughs) and people being killed. I mean, what do you know about the headless Dahani Valley?
4: I've been there. I wasn't in Sasquatch investigating. I was hunting. And uh, all I can say about that area, because I keep getting that thrown at me by people like Stephen Major, when I was working with him in Extreme Expeditions Northwest, did uh, Portlock, lock Alaska, documentary. Anyway, I had a falling out with him. I don't support him no more because he's a killer of Sasquatch. He wants to kill one. But anyway, he wanted to go to Nahanni. And then this producer guy out of Los Angeles got a hold of me last year, contracted me up. Nothing came to be of it. And uh, uh, he wants wanted to go to Nahani Valley. And I got a Sasquatch Island uh, member from Vancouver Island and He's retired from work and he wants to go to the Nahani and he can barely walk on Vancouver Island and he wants to go to Nahani. Well, number one with Nahani it is flipping huge. Like get on an airplane, fly from Edmonton to Whitehorse or Vancouver, British Columbia to Yellowknife and plan it for a good time with like in June or July when it's nice sunny weather and twenty four hours sun up in the north. But when you fly over there like I did when I went from Vancouver to Yellowknife my first time in uh, 2015, every time I go on an airplane, I'm a Sasquatch investigator. What does a Sasquatch investigator do when they're going to do a daylight airplane ride at 30-whatever-thousand feet up you are? You bring binoculars. You got to look down and truth that ground, though, because you might be boots on the ground there one time. So when I was up there looking down at the Nahani Valley from an airplane, I was like, wow, I was down there. And that's where I started, and that's where I went. But it's just a little sliver section of what is this massive Nahani Valley. So when you hear about it, if you're going to go in there, then, you know, number one, take two months of your life off and go in bush like I did years ago for two months or longer and get into those extremely isolated places like I lived for months up in the Alpines of... uh, mainland british columbia coastal region off northeastern vancouver island and you will see smell and hear things that at night you know you know what they are and that's where the sasquatches are sure we hear about the ones that cross roads and are at their urban edge you know there's some urban habituated sasquatches that come to our backyards while we're sleeping or the year-round abundant protein we produce in our compost garden leftovers Pet food left out, feed sheds for livestock and poultry, uh, garbages. We have all this food we produce, so we do have the urban edge. But if you really want to try to find a Sasquatch in an isolated area, do you need to go to the Nihani Valley? Um, no. Go to Vancouver Island in a certain season, and the like, uh, best time is go in.
1: Zycam knows that when you live life to the fullest, you never want to let a cold slow you down. With Zycam's cold shortening products, you can actually shorten colds when taken at the first sign. And with the winter chill in the air, you need the number one cold shortening brand to help shorten a cold when taken at the first sign this season. Because you should never let a cold stop you from missing out on your favorite moments of the season. Click here to shop Zycam, the number one cold shortening brand.
4: Holiday, late May into late July, and get up into the alpines and go spend weeks up there—not a few hours, not a couple days, leading up to almost a week. I mean, some serious boots on the ground time, couple three weeks, and you will see here and smell them. They're up there. They're in the Honey Valley, but the Honey Valley is duplicated all through Sasquatch Island. Get to those areas that you know, like I tell. Some guys that get a hold of me, like, what's the best way to find a Sasquatch? Rent a float plane and charter a float plane because they can pack 1,200 pounds overall with passengers and you and two other buddies because it's good to have two buddies with you three people because one guy's got to man the gun when things get sideways real quick with Sasquatch or grizzly bears or whatever else. The other guy's got to be loading the other gun when that one gets emptied. And the third person's going to be sitting there videotaping what's taken place. And, you know, because if you get into an incident with Sasquatch, as I have been, it's like that quick. It goes from complete silence to all of a sudden shaking trees, things being thrown at you, charges coming at you. And with your heart pounding and your knees shaking and your throat getting dry in fear, when you're by yourself, as I've been in those situations, I never squeezed off, like, Sent a warning shot off once, but if you're going to go Sasquatch investigating, you better make sure you got three people to do exactly what I just outlined. The Honey Valley, well, you're going to have to look at ten to twenty thousand dollars because you're going to want to get way up there. Number one, it's going to cost you a few thousand bucks, and you got to get back, and then you got to get on an airplane or a helicopter and get in deep. And once you're decked down, you're going to have to have about four to six days of no airplane noise or helicopter. And they've sort of forgot about you disrupting the whole valley where you got dropped off. And then you'll see in the second week into the third week that you're going to start to see, smell, and hear things that, why, my God, they are out here. So what what do you you think
3: about the legend then that they are human killers ripping their heads off?
4: Everything is a human killer. The soccer team that crashed in the Andes showed us in the 1970s that we as humans can become cannibals really quick when starvation gets involved. 1947 was the last recorded incident of cannibalism in northern Canada's Inuit community when starvation set in. And even to this day, we know that there's some cannibalism taking place in Aryan Jaya, and in uh, South America, and I hear even in Africa, and every other continent, excluding Antarctica, has cannibalism taken place with human rogues, ones that snapped upstairs and are psychopath cannibals. Everyone has stories about that. So to me, when you hear about the Nahani, it's just one instance, you know, of someone, and uh, next you know, you know, Every Sasquatch in the uh popping off a human head human killer no you know we got two reports of that taking place in the honey. We have three missing people on Vancouver Island in the last 15 years attributed possibly attributed to being taken out by sasquatches. We have Indian tribes in the Pacific Northwest and throughout Sasquatch Island that talk about Sasquatch there with the basket stealing bad children and eating them. You know, we call it Chonokwa, takes misbehaving children and consumes them in their invisible home high up in a mountain. And we hear of the rogues and, you know, Steve, uh, what's his name, David Palides, with his Missing 411 book series and television shows. And he was on the Bigfoot cruise with us and I got to hang out with him for a second time, but really hang out with him. He had some pretty good stories. And, you know, how come all these people are going missing? Well, the Sasquatches like beans, human beans. And... I belong to the Hamatsa Society. All I'm going to say to you is Hamatsa. H-A-M-A-T-S-A. Hamatsa. I belong to that society of the Kwakwakiwak First Nation. When we dance to this day on the dance floors of the potlatches, the big house floors, and we show reenactment of what was... Ritualistic cannibalism from the ancestors of old. That's as far as I'll go with it, because it's a secret society. You can read it all in a book called Hamatza. You can Google it, but there's so many Indian tribes in North America pre-contact that practice eating human food and would or eating humans, cannibalism. They did it. They weren't hungry. They just did it because they like beans, human beans. And then there was the reports of the starvation times where they had to go resort to cannibalism and then we look at modern times to this present where cannibalism still takes place even the ancestors from Europe I've read the archaeological reports and National Geographic editorials about bones being found in what used to be moats of castles and refuse heaps that showed the human bones marrowing meaning they were smashed for the marrow to be eaten there was scrape marks that they seen with the electron microscope on the human bones and there was charring marks on these human bones as well so cannibalism took place in europe at one time and in eastern asia and we also know it took place in other parts of asia like china and mongolia and kamchatka for different reasons so nowadays we Oh, no, cannibalism, it's so terrible. It's it's taboo to even talk about it. Oh, if you're going to be a Sasquatch investigator, you better start doing some research on cannibalism by our species because it'll give you a better understanding of how Sasquatch thinks and how they act
3: and how they harvest. I agree with something that you said earlier as we got about four minutes to go before the break. Okay, and that is when I asked you about how Sasquatch are different in in different territories. That the more northern, they're more aggressive. They seem to be more docile in British Columbia, Washington, Oregon, and California. You get around Texas, Louisiana, and those southern states, they seem more aggressive and angry, like the the Boggy Creek Monster and and creatures like that going into the Skunk Cape of Florida. Okay, New York, they seem to be more elusive. I mean, how come do you think that we have so many different variations of this creature's attitude?
4: In the Republican states, where the hunters wear a lot of camel, the good old boys and girls, I've noticed that a lot of reports of very aggressive Sasquatch. Why? Because when you dig even deeper in those regions, Sasquatches have been shot at. But when you look at the Pacific Northwest, Northern Oregon, Washington State, British Columbia, Southeast Alaska, Western Alberta, Western Idaho, they're not passive. It's just so vast that interaction come across between human and Sasquatch hasn't been that much. So they haven't been subjected to the good old boy or wearing Cabela's camo shooting at him with a nine millimeter Glock or a rifle. And that's what I'm finding in my research. I studied the human in order to study the Sasquatch even more.
3: Okay. So it's just a matter of territory and the people around it then that are causing, Yeah, it. you know, like, How I the can, humans are. like I can understand the bayous. There's a lot of animals in there that, I mean, from copperhead snakes and, and alligators, alligator gar, wild boars. I can see a lot of these uh, Sasquatch getting pissed off with their environment because everything wants a brawl. Okay, Uh, but, you know, the human aspect of it, I can also understand that as well, and I think that's, that's a smart point to make on that. Is there, or do you then recommend, with two minutes to go here, that people go search for this creature if they're curious? Yes, but what they need to do is email me
4: so they can get a copy of my... Guidelines to chance encounters and investigating a Sasquatch, also known as Bigfoot. After all my 58 years on this planet and everything I've seen to date, I want to have people understand the Sasquatch commandments that we have to adhere to. One of them, number one, always show respect, no killing, no harm or trapping. Keep a respectful, safe distance distance. Uh, personal protection devices while in close proximity. We learned from COVID all about that, and respect your fellow investigators. So you know that's what people need to understand, and you know it's gonna. That I think that's the best way to answer your question.
3: I love it. I do. Okay, so the the idea then being that you could go look for it, but but just know what you're doing. Like for us, yeah. Like for us, for instance, the spot that the couple spots that we have. We don't go searching the trails. We let it come to us. We do everything the same. We park in the same spots. Our campfire is always in the same area. Our chairs are in the same area. We don't go wandering off. Because the one thing I do know about this creature is it it is very curious.
4: You're one of the few humans I ever heard say what has to be done that Always go to the same area, chairs in the same spots. Me, I go to the same trail down to my cabins, gun at the same place against that spruce tree. They even bring me in kindling. I'll go down there in two weeks from now, and there'll be piles of spruce branches piled up around my fire area so that they're helping me start a fire. Why? Why? They're not allowed to have fires, but they must enjoy sitting there, as we know they do, watching us at the fire pit, enjoying our fire and our chatter chatter as well.
3: Yeah, I mean, that's, uh, I learned that from Robin McRae, or Ma- Robin Haynes now is her name, about, you know, don't you don't need to go. They are going to come, and, and you know where I noticed yep. we get a lot of the action? We'll
1: holiday
3: tis the season for chicken fingers at raising canes warm up with hand battered cook to order chicken fingers crispy crinkle cut fries garlicky buttered texas toast and the real source of holiday magic cane sauce and while you're treating yourself don't forget to treat everyone on your list to cane's gift cards and new york city inspired plush puppies that benefit pet organizations happy holidays from raising canes chicken fingers one love we got 10 seconds here when my son is around when my 10 year old son is around it seems like they are a lot more active when the children Sasquatch are around Sasquatch loves children well, let's find out when we return on Spaced Out Radio for hour number 2 with legendary researcher Thomas Seawood we're all on Sasquatch Island we learned that tonight <laughs> here in North America I love that love it Great time talking Sasquatch, Bigfoot, and more. With Thomas Seawood, hour number two of Spaced Out Radio comes right after this. All right, Tom, we got about five minutes here. So I'm going to have a quick pee and a smoke. Yeah, I will, uh, I'm will. i going to put you in the green room, and I'll be right back as well, everybody. Stay tuned for hour number two next. All right, good to have you all here. Maeve O'Brien, welcome to SOR Chat. Hi, Nikki in Seattle. Who else has joined us here? Deborah Norsworthy, welcome. And Bad Daddy, good to see you. All right, Mac Geek, nice to see you. Thomas, we got you back on here. And, uh, yeah. Preacher, how's the autographs going? Just want to make sure you're doing all right there and not getting overwhelmed. Thank you, Super Duke. Hey, I want to remind everybody that the Super Chat is open. Pam Harris, thank you for kicking things off tonight. Appreciate your love and support. Also, guys, our store is open on our website for great swag. I added a hoodie yesterday with our logo on it. It's very nice. Very nice. You can pick it up. And also, on your calendar, Mark, May 10th through 12th, 2024, we are all heading to Reno, Nevada, for the third annual SOR Fan Party. It's not a conference. It's about hanging out with people that you see on this show. We're going to have a bunch of special guests. We are going to have uh, a live radio show that you can attend. And you can meet up the, with the VIP party. Tickets are 100 bucks. Silver Legacy Casino and Resort. That's, that's, the rooms right now, if you go register right now, are like $139 bucks a night. We want to see you there. Here we go with Hour 2.
5: You're listening to Spaced Out Radio with Dave Scott. Follow Dave on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio. And on Facebook, Spaced Out Radio Show.
3: Let's kick off hour number two of Spaced Out Radio tonight. My name is Dave Scott. Thank you so much for joining us. Really do appreciate earning your listening ears wherever you are on this beautiful planet we call Earth. Hello to everyone listening in on our terrestrial affiliates around North America, digitally on Odyssey Radio, Talk Stream Live, and KP&L. All of our archives are free. You can join us at youtube.com forward slash spaced out radio. Do old Davy the favor. Hit that subscribe button. The Desert Clam has set the password for tonight in the SOR Space Travelers Club, Kekulet. Kekulet is your password. Use it wisely, space travelers, as a clam sets the password each and every night right here on Spaced Out Radio. Our website, spacedoutradio.com, we have a plethora of features for you. Rock out to Bumblefoot, read the news wire. check out our swag as well. Follow us on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio. Instagram at Spaced Out Radio Show, and you can join me on Patreon in the SOR Space Travelers Club. All right, let's move it forward. Thomas Seawood is our guest tonight. We're talking Sasquatch all night long, and thank you, Thomas, for being here and such an awesome guest each and every time you're on the show.
4: It's it's fun.
3: I'll tell you that. It is fun. And right before the break, I had mentioned to you, we were talking about my Sasquatch site that I have, and... I mentioned to you the fact that my son is very, very into Sasquatch number one. He saw the big guy with us last year. we saw the 10-footer and then heard his friend way in the forest. But what is it about children that really seems to excite Sasquatch? It seems to bring them in, and you could feel them around. You could hear them moving through the trees. What is it about kids?
4: well number one that's why i only harvest spike bucks when i go deer hunting if i eat deer they're tender they they don't have that wild ruddy gamey taste and i can imagine kids are the same way probably pretty tender and not so spicy with all the decades of fast food and tobacco and tobacco going into that meat that's one way of looking at it the other way i look at it is when you're playing bush chess trying to get close to a sasquatch group. number one you they're Like uh, Adam, they have the nucleus of the atom. That's the the young, the females, the sick, the elderly Sasquatches. Around them, the electrons and protons would be your harvesters, hunters, and your scouts. And hunters, of course, are probably going beyond the perimeters of the scout circle. So that when Sasquatches in the daytime in our region, they'll look, for a prominent knoll, a high hill, a mountain peak. Not so much a mountain, but a low mountain, you know, I'm talking under 2,000 feet. And they're harvesting shellfish or herring spawning down on the beach at night during the low tide. And daytime, when the humans are about, just before daylight, they go up the knoll and the nucleus of the atom, the family clan, the elders, young and sick, they're on the top of the mount. Around that are the scouts and then
7: Holiday.
6: Hey, Diane. Holiday shopping?
7: All done. Everyone's getting the new iPhone 15 from T-Mobile, and T-Mobile's covering the cost. Plus, I got four lines for 25 bucks a line per month.
2: I gotta get to T-Mobile. Get four iPhone 15s on us with eligible trade-in when you switch to T-Mobile.
8: Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with AutoPay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without AutoPay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for well-qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com.
4: Harvesters, hunters, when they wake up are below that and around it. But all of a sudden, bang, tree knot, uh, whoop, uh, whistle, uh, mimic of an animal, a bird, that's Morse code. That's communication to the nucleus. Be on guard, there's a perceived threat. When the hunter or scout makes the next alarm, that get out of there. On top of the knoll, they have 360-degree observation by eye, nose, and ears. But they also have 360 or 300 degrees of BD, get the hell out of here, away from the perceived threat or the threat. So that's where Sasquatches are. So when you're trying to get close to a Sasquatch group, do we see the children? The only time we see infant children is a chance encounter. Uh, One happens, doesn't know you're there. She's out harvesting. And all of a sudden, oh, there's the human. And it bends down behind the rock and picks up its baby and holds it Independence Day video. And, uh... The one Dr. John Bindernagel invited me to his house and the fax had come in. So I drove to Courtney to see this picture of a Sasquatch taken by a camera from a guy's window of a Sasquatch bending down and picking up apples that had fallen out of the tree. And I was the first one to see that three days after it was taken where John and I were looking at it. And I'm like, John, look, it's got a baby in it. Is cradling it under its arm and on its back. It's got a baby. And to this day, that picture is known as a Sasquatch female with a baby as she's harvesting apples. So very low numbers of reports of juvenile, elderly, sick Sasquatch, unless it's a chance encounter, just fleeting, crossing a road, a path, getting the hell away from the human. We've never heard reports of a lot of juveniles. We have... Uh, an audio recording of a bunch of chattering, and it sounds like females and juveniles, but we don't have the video of it yet, or pictures. Why? Because the harvesters, hunters, and scouts have already bingoed the human. Boom! Morse code! The clan unit, like an atom, just moved away. We never see the children. So can you imagine what it's like for a Sasquatch who's out harvesting or hunting or being a scout, and all of a sudden it hears high-pitched chick, uh, twittering and chirping laughing of children crying screaming you know what kids sound like you know they can sound cute and other times they're irritating as all hell but to sasquatch because they know what their family dynamics clan dynamics are like that they will never allow a threat especially humans to ever get near the nucleus of the adam clan Well, all of a sudden, we dumb humans were out there letting our kids play in a playground with a forest edge like they did in Vancouver Island. And all of a sudden, one of the mothers goes, oh, my God, look, and points up the bank above the community center on Vancouver Island, east side. And there's a big Sasquatch looking at all these kids playing in the playground. Well, now you drive by that very place and all the trees have been removed for about 60 yards, meters into the forest because of that Sasquatch encounter. So that's why Sasquatches are so intrigued by children. Number one, we they would never allow us to see that nucleus, the children. Yet here we are allowing them to see our children because we're not so defensive as they are because we're in the forest, the beach, enjoying ourselves. In the daylight, Sasquatches live out there without a house and a 9mm Glock and a 357 Magnum pistol, as a lot of people do, or 911 to phone the police to come protect you. So they have to live and move like a military unit, always on the defense. And that's why we never see their children and why they're so intrigued by seeing ours because we're foolish enough to allow them to penetrate our boundaries and be able to see and hear and smell our children. And that's why they're so curious. You know, to them, it's just like, wow, you can imagine a Sasquatch clan out in their environment, deep in bush. And do they see the other clan, the neighboring clans, Nucleus, children, elderly, sick? females no because the harvesters hunters and scouts are ensuring that any perceived threat isn't coming close to that
3: nucleus where the children are and yet
4: here we humans just do it all the time and that's why they're so curious
3: do you believe then that sasquatch does feed off of humans like do they look at us as a food source. I mean, you talked about cannibalism a little bit earlier on in the show, but, I mean, with children and, and a lot of David Politis' stories about children who just vanish, are, are the children treated as, as, as like you said, maybe a fresh food source, or are they treated that maybe a mother lost her own child and is looking for a, a replacement? How do, how do we look at this?
4: you got to look at it like I do because of my experience living in bush for so long like when I go to the bush and I used to do survival training with the uh, military in Canada uh, different uh, contingents of it but uh, I remember one time we got dropped off for a three week bush survival in northern Vancouver Island That me and my cousin we had our packs weighed in at under 20 pounds and everyone else was weighing between 60 and 80 plus pounds And we didn't bring any food. You know, we brought coffee, tobacco, and our bush kit, which is a tarp and a wool blanket. And we wore our clothes, Mustang floater coats underneath the hoodie, T-shirt, and that tarp and that blanket. And then our tarp was our sleeping bag tent. We didn't bring everything else those other guys did because they were thinking like concreters. You know, got to have my tent, got to have my air mattress, got to have my dehydrated food, have to have my stove, have to have this. We didn't bring that. And even the instructor said, you were supposed to bring a fire stick or something to make a fire. And we said, yeah, we did. We brought two Bic lighters each. One Bic lighter, it lasts you over two months in the forest. And that's even being a smoker. You know, have you ever looked at a lighter and lighten your cigarette every day and, recorded how long that lighter lasts? They last three months for a cigarette smoker. So two lighters is a great fire starter. One of them's in a Ziploc bag with some punk, some uh, sapwood to start a fire quick. And the other one's in your pocket. So if one gets wet, what do you do when your lighter gets wet? Well, you just find a piece of dry cloth, your clothing, and you just roll the thing, stripe the roller, and it dries off real quick Now you can light it. (laughs) So with the Sasquatches out there, living out there, you know, when they go after humans, and a lot of them children go missing. You know, number one, they're light; they're easy to pack. You know, that's why I shoot one spike deer. Who wants to pack a five spike weighing two hundred and twenty pounds, cleaned? You know, to get a one spike, I just throw it over my shoulder and carry it out. You know, it's the size of a German shepherd, but it gives me enough meat the last couple of weeks, and. Uh, It's tender. And then with children, you know, you ever picked up a baby raccoon? You know, even when they're about that big size of a wiener dog, that that little son of a gun going to rip your hand apart. They're so vicious and mean. So the Sasquatch is thinking like that. So when they go after a human, if they go after someone like me, 175 pounds, I might have a pocket knife, gouge out their eyes, cut an artery, maim them, get infection, die. So I'm not a good option for harvesting. But all of a sudden, they come across a young child lost in the woods or whatever, or the family's not paying attention. Well, like a baby raccoon, it's, you know, it's not, if it's a really small raccoon like that, it's not going to rip your hand apart. A small human ain't going to bite your face apart and claw your eyeballs out. And it's easy to cover its mouth. And it can fight all it wants, but it's under sixty pounds. It's an easy pack, like my one spike buck over my shoulder compared to a big buck. So that's how a sasquatch thinks, and that's what I, I teach people: is think like a sasquatch in order to get close and find a
3: sasquatch. I love it. I absolutely love it. Thomas Seawood is our guest tonight. On Spaced Out Radio, I got a lot of requests from people asking you to tell the garlic story.
4: <laughs> garlic story, yeah. We were 2012. Um, me and my cousin Darcy and his uh, half brother, working for our tribe called a band in Canada, 250 acre island of ours, which is an Indian reserve. We were gonna build five. Well, we ended up building five cabins, looking like in our ceremonial big houses, but smaller. And we have to go in and clear the forest, all the bushes, all the older trees. And, uh, while we're getting the camp ready in 2012 for the construction, because we, pre-built everything on vancouver island we're going to bring it out with a landing craft with the crane and then lift the walls and place and floors and yada 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 but anyway we had an outside kitchen between two big spruce trees that were about three foot in diameter we just built a bench and put a tarp roof on it and we had a lock box with a wire on it twisted where our garlic was and our apples and other foods you know it's bear proof we thought and uh, we'd cook on this open table and there'd be crumbs and you'd see mice on there and all that. And, you know, the garlic was going missing. And I was like, you guys quit leaving the garlic out. The mice are taking it. You know, we're eating a lot of big prawns shrimp and crab. You gotta have garlic when you eat seafood like that. So, and, uh, our garlic kept going missing. So between the cabins, when we started building them, you know, you can picture the eaves troughs three feet apart and the walls six feet apart well we put a picnic table between the two cabins and in the front of the cabins because of the wind coming in we put up uh, windows in there just temporary you know framed aluminum windows we screwed into the walls to break the wind and we could also see out if anyone came into the bay and we put a wood stove in this area that we had and so the heat would stay in that confined area and we'd sit there playing crab eating the whole nine yards and you know one night, we had the uh, garlic go missing again, and I'm giving the boys crap for getting our garlic left out, and the mice are taking it. And so I said, well, let's put a garlic clove in, on the table where our, our propane stove would sit and everything, and we put a glass upside down. And uh, I said, let's see if it's the mice. I kind of think it might be Sasquatch. So not even half an hour goes by, and John goes, I'm going to the... Kitchen, I'm gonna go get a Pepsi. Anyone else? I'm like, Yeah, grab me one. And he goes from behind the cabins, goes by, and I was like, comes running back. The garlic's gone from under the glass. So we all run back out there, three of us, and sure enough, there's the glass upside down, no garlic. And we knew John wasn't there long enough to eat. even, he said, I didn't even get near it. He said, I just saw it empty. He turned and ran and got you guys. I stupidly grabbed the cup. What I should have done was, I should have clean the cup before I put it upside down or the glass because it was clear. And when it was empty of a garlic, I should have put it in a Ziploc bag and brought it to alert bay to the police station and got them to take fingerprints. Can you imagine what we would have seen on that glass? So that's how our garlic was going missing. And then the thing was even going into the lockbox and twisting the wire and opening the lid. But like we see with Sasquatch encounters coming to take our food, fruit, and vegetables and things, they never take all of it. They're very respectful to leave us, you know, usually the majority. So we'd notice that our apples, and we counted them, go from roughly 15 apples down to 11. Our garlic cloves in a big bag would go from seven down to five. And we knew the son of a gun was taking garlic. But a lot of people ask me about that. Why would they take garlic? Well, some people believe it's medicinal, but in coastal British Columbia, we have, I believe, three different types of garlic that are natural to our, our ocean, sea level environment. And uh, I always tell people and, you know, like a lot of people gift. I don't think gifting should take place of foods unless it's something they're accustomed to. So Vancouver Island. Uh, We have plum trees, apple trees, pear trees, crab apple trees, cherry trees, things that are natural in the environment for generations since contact, and even before. And so try to bring them something from the grocery store that's from that area. But can you imagine to a Sasquatch right now in November, and all of a sudden you bring them in some Argentinian or wherever in the southern hemisphere cherries come from this time of year? I saw, you know, grapes and the grocery store this evening but can you imagine bringing them cherries or plums in november through until may when they're not naturally growing in that environment well that's why sasquatches in the urban edge the ones i study now because my knee is getting so bad in my right my right leg as a age and broken down commercial fishermen and diabetes i can't get up to the alpines like i used to so now i'm concentrate and put my chips on the urban edge because they're coming into our backyards while we're farting and snoring in our REM sleep after eleven thirty at night so two hours before an hour before daylight the sasquatches are in our backyards feed sheds and so forth but one of the big things we're finding them hitting on is our compost boxes can you imagine being a sasquatch thinking like a sasquatch you have to and you open a compost lid or one of those spinny barrel lids and there's a soft tomato that we threw away because it was soft and had a little bit of mold on the side. There's cantaloupe rinds. We ate the meat, a cantaloupe, but there's still meat and rind left and potato peelings. And the list goes on what we put in our compost boxes to a Sasquatch. That's like going to an Indian tribe casino and hitting the buffet table, man. That's like, it's on like donkey Kong. I'm feasting tonight. Five composts along this urban edge at the edge of the forest backyards. I got a full belly of some pretty exotic foods. since most of them, I didn't know what the hell they were, but dang, they tasted good. That's how a Sasquatch thinks and how they harvest.
3: Three minutes to go before we have to go to break at the bottom of the hour. Thomas Seawood is our guest tonight on Spaced Out Radio. Thomas, you know, as we take a look at this creature uh, all around North America, and, you know, you've talked about its feeding areas, you've talked about its breeding areas, do they breed like humans? Do we know how they breed? How often they're breeding? <laughs> do we know they're just they're cycling? Uh, do we know any of this?
4: Well, we as a species, are the only one that will fornicate for pleasure,
9: well, and dolphins you
4: know, do too, in the most part. And then when we look at our our apex predators and apex omnivores, they breed for strengthening the tribe, pack animals, only the head wolf, male and female, can breed. The other ones can't. So it's with the wolf pack, uh, predators' packs, lions, hyenas, so forth, breeding is strict. Only the strong ones can do it. Only the select leaders of the pack. Because that is survival of the species. It ensures the strongest gene pool for breeding. It ensures there's no starvation within the pack. It's curtailed because there's not 50 infants. So I think Sasquatch thinks on that same level, whether it be instinctual or learned by by, uh, behavior through generations. And because of the reports that we get, we... You know, where have we heard a report of over half a dozen Sasquatch juveniles from infant to young adolescent seen? We have a lot of reports, and Ostrom is a great one from Butte, Toba Inlet, British Columbia, where he got apprehended in a sleeping bag by a big male Sasquatch, brought to his cave area up in the mountains. And that family unit had a adolescent juvenile male and a younger, smaller juvenile adolescent female. And then we can correlate that to numerous other reports from Albert Ostrom in the early 1900s to present. And that's indicative of most reports, uh, one or two offspring in that family unit. Not like when we go to some places and see some families that aren't well-educated, and I'm not going to say what uh, race, but just humans of different color. And uh, we see that they got eight, dozen kids you know you just roll your eyes and shake your heads and like are you stupid and idiot or all of the above you're well, on welfare and you've got well, a dozen we kids got, let's
3: keep it let's keep it off the political side here because yep. we only have about 30 seconds but just y- y- your your thoughts on 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 how they do it
4: i think it's very strict remember what lucas taught us they have laws very strict laws so i think the breeding is really it's really curtailed within their clan to, to head
3: one and head female. Love it. Thomas, we got you for another 30 minutes here on Spaced Out Radio, and it's been an amazing, amazing time here so far with you here. And, uh, you know, when we return, we're going to find out a little bit more about what you think, just your thoughts on this creature overall. Will it ever come into fruition where we know its true existence? If you've seen it, you know it's there. If you haven't, you're still probably a non-believer. But we're still searching for Sasquatch on Spaced Out Radio. We will be right back. Sorry about that. I just got to try it for my radio stations. Keep it as apolitical as possible. Oh, yeah. Yeah.
4: I'm only human. I make
3: mistakes. Oh, yeah. No problem, buddy. (laughs) We're I learned our, from it. We're gonna get to some audience in a We got about four and a half minutes if you want to go for a dart.
4: Yeah. Have moment. Smoke tobacco.
3: <laughs> <laughs> All right. Good show. Good show. We having fun yet? <laughs> so, yes. Yeah, so let's get back to Reno, twenty twenty four, third annual Spaced Out Radio Fan Party. Who's coming? 100 bucks a ticket. This is what you get. You get a swag bag. You get a live radio show to sit in. We're going to invite in a bunch of our guests that you see on this show. So far, Science Bob, Lala Bright, Tim Senor, Melinda Leslie, Geraldine Roscoe, Jim Goodall, Tom Whitmore. They're all going to be there so far. That list we plan on growing. Eric Markham, the preacher, is going to try and get there. I think he will because he's tough as nails. Okay. And this is what you get.
7: holiday
6: hey Diane holiday shopping
7: all done everyone's getting the new iPhone 15 from T-Mobile and T-Mobile's covering the cost plus I got four lines for 25 bucks a line per month
2: I gotta get to T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us with eligible trade-in when you switch to (laughs) T-Mobile
8: Minimum of four lines for twenty five dollars per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. Five dollars more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee, twenty-four monthly bill credits for well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts and continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement. Due $35 per line connection charge applies. CTMobile.com.
3: Okay, you get the swag bag. You get the free radio show that we are going to record live. Hey the beard. How you doing? You're gonna get the VIP party. You are going to get a ghost tour with Merle. Yeah, Merle's coming. Melinda Leslie that night on Saturday will do a UFO skywatch. Then on Sunday, it's a free for all. If you got to head home because you got to work on the Monday, well, you head on home. If you're staying until the Monday like we are, then you party with us all day and all night long. It's just that simple. 100 bucks a ticket. Send if you're interested. Send your information to info at spacedoutradio.com, okay? Hey, Derek Galloway. And by the way, it's at the Silver Legacy Casino and Resort. And get your hotel book now, like seriously. It's only like one thirty nine a night. It's like double the cost less in Reno than it was in Vegas last year. And we want to see you all there. So get to it. May 10th through 12th in Vegas. Thank you, Tim Mothman for posting that. Sarah Yon, how you doing? Good to see you. All right, I will get to some audience questions when we come back. Maureen, you should come. It's a fun time. I'm going to be making a list of people who are going to come. So, yeah, we'll get that list up there. Hi, Derek. I love you. From Desiree. All right. Super chat is open. And thank you to Pam H for our lone single super chat tonight. Very much appreciated, Pam. Thank you for the love and support. And go shopping at our spaced out radio store. By the way, Human Carl, the latest member of the SOR Space Travelers Club. Thank you, Human Carl. You're fantastic. Not to be misconstrued with alien Carl, human Carl. Human Carl. We love him around here. Yeah, we do. Mm -hmm. We got one minute here. Derek, you're not in the hammock. You're in the swing. You're in the swing. Desiree's just rolling her eyes at hubby Derek. All right, everybody. Here we go. Oh, sorry. We got like 25 seconds. Preacher, thank you for that super chat, Preacher. Preacher. I love you, buddy. Look at that. Not only does he sign autographs, but he hits up a nice super chat there, too. All right. Five seconds. Here we go. Here we go as we're at the halfway point of Spaced Out Radio tonight. My name is Dave Scott. Very much appreciate earning your listening ears. Reminder to all of you that if you've missed portions of this show or others, check out our free archives by going to youtube.com forward slash Spaced Out Radio. Do me the favor. Hit that subscribe button. Our website, spacedoutradio.com. We have a plethora of features for you. Rock out to Bumblefoot, read the news wire, check out our swag as well. Follow us on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio, Instagram at Spaced Out Radio Show, and then join us on Patreon in the SOR Space Travelers Club. We got a great show. We got until the top of the hour. Bigfoot researcher, investigator, not researcher, <laughs> investigator. Our, <laughs> our 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 good friend Thomas Seawood. How you doing, my man? Doing good. All right. I'm glad to have you here as well. I mean, you have made this a wonderful, wonderful show, so thank you for that. I want to get some audience questions for you. Uh, this starts with The Preacher. Did the tradition of the Wendigo come from guilt over cannibalism during bad winters? Um, I... Good
4: question. I asked my mom who's Cree Indian about Witago. That's how we say it in our Cree dialect from central Saskatchewan, where my mom's from. But I asked her quite a few questions about it and then looking into some reports about Witago, you know, skeletal form, stinky hides hanging off it, deer or elk head skull antlers on its head and Fierce eyes, gauntle face, and uh, very aggressive and limping with a stick in some cases, wanting to eat the humans. And right away I thought, you know, because I'm not into the woo-woo, the spiritual-esque part of Sasquatch, because I've never had an experience like that. And, you know, if I do see an orb or whatever or cloak or have mind speaking, then I'll be a believer of that. But I'm just a critterist. So, looking at from a critterist, Sasquatch investigations perspective, and being a bear hunting guide for decades and seeing some emaciated—I think the word is—the bears, black and grizzly, with you can see the tapeworms are just consuming them from the inside, and the hookworms and the flukes inside them, and they got a big bubble on the side of their face because they got abscessed teeth. And I found dead ones like that where they got very little teeth and they're abscessed and their skeletal and everything. I look at Weetigo as the very old Sasquatch that has the worms, has the diseases, uh, probably has cataracts and can't see. So it can't hunt like it used to when it was very robust. And it was possibly a clan leader male that got ousted from a clan decades before. And now it's elderly, like an old grizzly bear will team up with an old wolf and we've seen that with the guy from finland with his pictures and i've seen it three times in my time out in bush how old wolf will team up with old grizzly bear and hunt and work together i think the old emaciated diseased wormed up cataract arthritis sasquatch can't catch the game like it used to maybe can't even dig roots because it can't see properly but it can see and go after those humans and all of a sudden, it takes old hides off carcasses, carrion, and wears them because it's cold. It's skeletal. It's lost a lot of body fat. And that's why it's wearing these stinky hides. And then it knows that humans are scared of Sasquatch, number one. But he knows that he's not that scary looking because of all this way he looks. He puts on that deer antler and ties it to his head because we know they have the opposable thumbs. They can tie knots. And we have out in the coast reports of them making cedar bark three um, three uh, braided ropes and opening up my lockbox, which had twisted wire, opposable thumb, and there's a whole other list of things they do that shows it could tie a skull to its head. And now when the humans are out there picking blueberries, for example, in early summer, they're on there squatting down. They've got their heads down to the ground in moss and they're pick, 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 pick. pick. All of a sudden they look up and there's this Oh my god, it's a Witago. It's got this deer skull, it's got the stinky hides. it's got a club. And the next thing you know, one of the people in the group, maybe a child or a young person or elderly one, got taken out by that Witago, and the Witago's starving. What's it gonna do as soon as it smashes the skull with the club or bangs its skull and against a tree? It's gonna eat those brains. That's the high nutrient part of any animal, and that's why Pack animals like wolves and the lions will eat the brains. The head, female and male, eat the brains because that's the highest concentration of nutrients in that body. So when the humans are running away and they're seeing that wheat to go, all of a sudden it becomes this demon spirit with this deer skull and club that was consuming our ancestor, our family members' brains and gouging the eyes out and eating them. That's bush survival. That's how you eat an animal when you're starving. You go after the high nutrients. You want that body of yours to kickstart with the eyeballs and the brain matter and the liver, the kidneys, the heart. And that's what my perspective is from my investigating about what a week ago is. And I believe it's a emaciated, diseased, infested on its last few years or months of life Sasquatch.
3: Okay, continuing on, let us go to Dave, who is asking, hey, Thomas, what have you been told or experienced along the coastal Alaskan panhandle encompassing many islands?
4: Overrun with Sasquatches. (laughs) Um, I communicate, um, you know, modern-day smoke signal Facebook Messenger. You know, I'll get pings coming in 24 hours a day from people all over Sasquatch Island, mainly from the coastal regions, because I'm, you know, not being egomaniac anyway, but I am one of those Sasquatch celebrities. And because I'm a fellow North American Indian, they trust me more than they do the non-Indian. And uh, so they'll phone me and, hey, Tom, listen. And I'll listen at two in the morning to the Sasquatch vocalization. I'm like, where are you calling me from again? I'm calling you from this Indian village in Southeast Alaska. Well, go outside and see if you can videotape it. No way, man. I'm not going out there. too scary. So I'm getting reports from all over. But I've been through Southeast Alaska, and it is really desolate. Like, I'm talking miles upon miles, like coastal British Columbia, where you don't see humans. And, uh, you know, if you want to find Sasquatch, I always say go to coastal Pacific Northwest from Washington State up to southeast Alaska where there's high-abundant shellfish beaches in months with no R. So, in other words, from or September to March, April, that's the time of low sun, which means less photoplankton, which means a clam's belly isn't filled with the green plankton, and it tastes like that green plankton and it smells like it, and your clam chowder in June will look like green, ugh, Taste tastes terrible. Sasquatches know that. and Plus, there's a greater chance of having paralytic shellfish poisoning in months with no R, red tide. Sasquatches know that. So from S- September through until April, get out to the beaches, look at a tide book, go when the extreme low tides of zero or minus tides are taking place at night. And where you know there's abundant shellfish, especially cockles, a favorite shellfish of the Sasquatches in the Pacific Northwest, go there and and you'll you'll hear them smell them possibly see them that's where we're putting our chips when we go out that's why we do a lot of boat-based uh sasquatch expeditions during fall into early spring
3: okay let's continue on let's go to Susie, who is asking thomas can you elaborate on why they come to us in dreams to some people
4: so that I can flail my arms around and hit my wife, <laughs> so we have a wall of pillows between us and our king size. That's where my Sasquatch demons come at me in my dreams. Um, I don't like I say I'm. I don't get into the woo-woo spiritualist aspect. Um, so to me, if they came into my dreams like that, and I've lived in bush for years, and you know, wake up and you. Lick your fingers and shove them in your nose to get your hair follicles in your nose moist so you can smell better. That's why bears and other animals like wolves and coyotes lick their nose so they can smell better. You know, I'll wake up and do that. And all of a sudden you get that tang of that nasty human body odor times 20 to 30 times worse. And you know there's a Sasquatch upwind of you or downwind of you smelling you. And then all of a sudden that little swirl breeze came and that's what woke you up was that smell. Your bush senses are, you know, they're firing in all cylinders. You know, you're 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 on edge in the bush, on guard. All of a sudden, you know, there's a Sasquatch there. And, uh, you know, your question about why do they come to us in dreams? Well, living in the bush for years and having dreams every night, I never had Sasquatch come to me in the dreams other than when I'm here and they chase me.
3: Well, you know what? You talked a little bit earlier. You'd mentioned about uh, not telepathy, but mind speak. I look at my son and we were standing in the forest at our, at our gifting site. And my buddy and I were sitting on his tailgate. My son is playing on his, in this dirt mound that he had built. There's a bunch of ants in there and he likes to, you know, play King Kong with the ants. And My buddy heard a snap to the left of us, you know, probably 50, 60 feet into the trees. And and he kind of points, he goes, there's something over there. Real quiet. My son, who's about 25 feet away, you know, he didn't really hear my buddy whisper. Like 10 seconds later, he's like, dad. I'm like, yeah. And he points to the same exact area where my buddy just pointed out. He goes, they're here. And they've told me they're watching us. And I look at my son. My son is not, he's a very calm, cool, collective, never gets too high, never gets too low kind of kid. He's not one who has a wild and crazy imagination. And sure enough, we started hearing noise from that area quite often right after that. So, you know, I I understand where you are on the woo side. Okay, and I never question that because we're all allowed our own opinions. This is where your research has led you. But in something like that mind speak because, once again, it's a child thing. Could that be possible?
4: So my son has a gift, and he doesn't exercise it. I don't see him that much no more. He's 22 now. But anyway, when he was a young boy out in the bush, he had some one, actually twice like that. and he also used to see the ancestors. He would make these elaborate, with a coat hanger, like hangers of coral and bones and shells and you name it. And even some of the people when we moved to Haida Gwaii when he was uh, five years, um, uh, 2007, he was seven years old. Some of the elders up there the Haida Nation said that your son has gifts. He's an old soul inside. Now, when I look at The numerous reports, and I actually saw one last night on TikTok. Yeah, I follow TikTok. Great Sasquatch groups on there, but anyway, um, this young kid grabbed her mother and brought her into a room, and that old person keeps smiling at me from the closet. And that goes into how many hundreds of reports we heard about children communicating and seeing ghosts. I believe in ghosts to a certain extent, so to me, I leave it open that. Children are so perfect and pure and so new. And we have so many reports of them interacting with, be it ghosts, spirits, entities, demons, and uh, Sasquatch. So I just leave that door open to, I'm no longer a child, but uh, uh, I'd like to document something where there's that, what your son experienced. And I think it did take place. I think there was possibly a communication from a Sasquatch to your son.
3: Yeah, it was pretty cool when that happened. Yeah, I will say this: uh, the preacher wants to know, are they attracted to human music? Yes,
4: definitely. Laughter. As long as it isn't bongo drums. You ever hear of hippies running into Sasquatches? No.
9: <laughs>
3: <laughs> I, I want to ask you though, what about laughter? Because I have I noticed that you know, if my friends and I are sitting around the fire. We're having a good time. We're telling some stories and having a good laugh. That always seems to be an attractant. Why? What's? Is it the power of laughter? The the sound of it. When I mainly when I get
4: women reach out to me with an encounter report, there's questions I ask them, and that's one of them. Was there a lot of female laughter at the time? There's no children present, so um, is there any female laughter? oh yeah me and my girlfriends are sitting around the campfire in my backyard and we're all just sipping wine and laughing and having fun and yeah i hear that in a lot of the reports because i ask the in-depth questions that most investigators won't ask like one of the questions uh, she's a good friend of mine now a first nations woman who's a, a professor at the university of british columbia now she's a doctor when she reached out to me that she had something taken place in her backyard and she believed it was Sasquatch. And uh, I asked her, I would never met her. I said, uh, when you're out there in the backyard gardening or going down the railway tracks into the forest, harvesting your traditional medicinal plants and edible foods, I said, uh, do you have big boobs? And she says, um, yeah, I'm well endowed. I said, do you ever go with a uh, bra bikini top or topless when you're in the garden in the backyard? And she goes, mm, bikini top, definitely. And I'm like, okay, what color is your hair? And she goes, well, I just dyed it. It's uh, black with red, really scarlet red streaks in it. I'm like, yeah, I think you've got a young male Sasquatch. And, uh, you know, asking that kind of question, you know, why would someone ask that? Well, because men are men and, When it's Sasquatch is coming in, you're generally dealing with a male scout or a hunter. So if you're an adolescent hunter, it means you're not the dominant male of the clan, which means you don't have a mate. And so you're out doing your job, you're hunting. But you're young, you're full of hormones, and all of a sudden there's female laughter. It draws you in because what does female laughter give you? It gives you visual enjoyment of seeing what they like, you know, males are males, some like big bosoms. some like no, some like blondes, some like brunettes, yada, yada, yada. When you look at Sasquatch, like I do, as they're human, that's the kind of questions you've got to come to mind with is what's attracting them. Yes. It's female laughter. Why? Well, how many men go down the beach because there's bikinis how many Sasquatch get attracted to female laughter because there's females to look at and enjoy visually? You know, it's one of the things that I do now. It opens up the thing like where I was out with uh, some investigators one time, and we left Campbell River going west across the island to Gold River, and halfway there, along the Campbell Lake, windy, twisty, steep wall above steep bank down to the lake. I know the pullovers. I'm like, pull over on this corner. There's a Cement barriers there, there's a bit of gravel, pull over, I'm to pee. So we pulled over because I had too many coffee and we're all doing our business and no cars are going by. And all of a sudden I was like, hey, you guys, come look. There's Sasquatch tracks in the pee gravel over the cement <laughs> barrier three feet high. And lo and behold, the tracks go up to toilet paper bundles from females who squatted and peed. And we could see the knee marks and the hand marks where that Sasquatch knelt down and smelt the female toilet paper. Sound gross? No, it's human instinct. It's animal instinct. That's why deer do what they do and elk when rut season's on. Men do the same thing that are humans. In Sasquatch, I'm finding in my investigations because now I'm hitting all the pullover spots because a lot of women won't go into the Vancouver Island Highway outhouses because they stink.
1: holiday
6: hey diane holiday shopping
7: all done everyone's getting the new iphone 15 from t-mobile and t-mobile's covering the cost plus i got four lines for 25 bucks a line per month i
6: gotta get to
2: t-mobile get four iphone 15s on us with eligible trade-in when you switch to (laughs) t-mobile
8: Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for well-qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts and continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge apply. ctmobile.com
4: So they'll go piddle in the bushes beside it or whatever, and that's where I find the toilet paper piles, and I'm finding Sasquatch evidence tracks. You know, they're that, pigs just like any I other I would pig.
3: have never thought that, but that... <laughs> That makes so much sense. Let's go to Nina here. we got five minutes to go. Do Sasquatch have a common language?
4: Yes. They have the, their language, and they also understand the language of the traditional Indian tribe who's shared their territory since the dawn of our creation, Sasquatch and Indian tribe. So learn the local Indian tribe. Hello, how you doing? I come in peace. I mean no harm. And then when you have that know there's a Sasquatch close at hand, speak to them in that local Indian dialect, and you will be amazed what comes back at you.
3: Okay, I I got a couple of questions here before I get back to the audience. What are signs that we can look for in the forest? Okay, like what attracted us to our area where we are now researching was we had in a row probably 100, 200 meters part not a part but in in a line we had three giant x's that were wound into trees what is something that we the normal person who wouldn't maybe notice take note of to notice if they're in a sasquatch area
4: um number one don't look at
3: tree structures
4: i've been in the forest during hurricane winds and seen downdrafts do amazing things, and afterwards it looked like a clan of Sasquatches went in and uh, smoked a couple doobies and started making tree structures. So, And a lot of them are natural. And also, some of them are decoys, so that you're looking at the tree structure they may have made, so it draws you away from where there's a ledge that leads down to an area where they sleep above a salmon stream or a pond or whatever. So I've noticed in a couple occasions, tree structures are decoys that get you away from When I actually backtracked and looked around 360 degrees, I found where there was a Sasquatch nesting area. Um, Tree structures also are birthing huts and menstrual huts for female Sasquatches. So when you study the anthropological path of the indigenous tribes of North America, Sasquatch Island, and you find that even to this day, some tribes practice the first menstruation. The female is sort of ostracized from the clan in their own little place be it in a smokehouse, a big house, long house, or some part of the community. So when you see a tree structure, TP lean-to, that's where female blood is. And as an Indian, you don't want to be anywhere near female blood, especially when you're going to go hunting. It's taboo. It'll spoil your hunting for months, years, in advance, and down the line. So to me, in my investigations, tree structures generally are a place where of female sasquatches menstruating to get away from the clan during her menses or their birthing structures where a midwife might be there helping a pregnant female give birth. But when that male sasquatch is out doing his thing, hunting, harvesting, scouting, oh Jesus, tree structure. Wind's going that way. I got to go upwind and well around that tree's teepee structure because I can't be anywhere near that female blood. So it's an anthropological proof that the Indians did it and Sasquatches are humans so they're Indian tribe as well that's why I call them the other tribe so if you're a male don't go stick your body into a tree structure and if you're a hunter you're going to ruin your hunting for years
3: (laughs) (laughs) I love it okay Uh, let's go to Simon in Australia do Bigfoot wonder why they're like humans or why they're here like humans do no I think when
4: See, that's us in this inver- urban environment. We think like an urbanized human, but when you get out there with your bush kit and you live in the bush like a Sasquatch, like I've done, you don't think thoughts like that. You're just there. I am, therefore, I am. I'm living, and you don't think about things that you know, like that. You know, it's just. And is so, when you're in bush living, uh. Hunter gatherer seasonal migrator for food abundance and trying to protect your butt from all the nastiness out there that can pounce on you and eat you and poop you out real quick because everything gets pooped out in the bush. You don't have time to think, dwell into depth. And that's why when you study humans and you look at our path from hunter gatherers to get used in agriculture to. Agriculture gave us leisure time and we're able to expand our religion, our culture, our governance, our society structure. And Sasquatches aren't at that level. They're still hunter-gatherers. So they're not sitting there going, I wonder why I exist because of these reasons. Maybe I have a God and I should believe in a God and maybe I should come up with this whole religious pathway. Now, they don't have no time for that. Their stomach is growled. They got to go eat.
3: Thomas, 14 seconds left. Thank you for an entertaining show tonight on Spaced Out Radio. Very much appreciate every time you come on this show. And and it's such a pleasure to chat with you again, my friend. Yeah.
4: And for everyone out there, don't forget Sasquatch Island Facebook group. That's your go-to for everything about Sasquatch. It's my book to teach you and Sasquatch Island YouTube channel to really entertain you.
3: Thomas Seawood, everybody. Coming up next... Among the missing from Steve Stockton, that's Duke on the Cryptid Report. We have it all coming up in hour number three, next on Spaced Out Radio. Way to go, my friend. Thank you. Thanks. That was a good one. That was awesome. You're the best, man. I love you, man. Love you. kick ass on Wes Germer. You got good (laughs) questions. Thank you. Thank you. My friend. uh, So there's event in May in Vegas. Yes. You hosting it? Yeah, it's an invite to everybody. Like the we we don't do a conference. It's everybody pays their own way. I pay my way, the audience pays their way, all our special guests pay their way, and we all just kind of gather. We do a live radio show and and we just get together and hang out for a party weekend. The fans, the the guests, if you want to come, join us. Yeah, where do I find it on your website? Yeah.
4: Okay, I'm going to reach out to the local Indian tribe, see if they'll sponsor Peggy and I to go down there to perform for them, and then if you want us, we're going to bring our ken oh, yeah. if we do go. If you want us to put a stage performance on, we're available. Can
3: do. I'll, okay. Uh, I'll stay in touch with you. Thank you. Yeah. Okay, All I'll right. send you some emails. Thanks a lot, Dave. That was great. See you, Thomas. Okay, talk uh, to you later. Bye, bye. bye Thomas Seawood, everybody. That was great. Just great. All right, I'm going to quickly step away. I'll be right back, guys. Uh, Varla is not going to be there this time, Preacher. But Coley is. Nicole is going to be there. right potato gross how you doing you're going to have to fly preacher <coughs> preacher it is cross country tours dude you need to oh you might as well start now man ah, love the preacher I got to tell you Eric Markham the preacher is one of my longest uh, listeners and just one of the most incredible human beings out there. He really is. Love the guy. Dogman, how you doing? Oh Jesus, that's right. That's right. <laughs> oh gosh. Start now, Preach. Pick up Nicole on the way. Thank you to Ukrainian Anita, Preacher, and Pam H for the super chats tonight. Very much appreciate the love and support. Want to see you all in Reno for our fan party May 10th through 12th at the Silver Legacy Casino and Resort. Book your hotels now. Well, after the show. Here we go with our three. Would you like to connect with
5: us? Head to spacedoutradio.com for all your latest show info. Now, back to Dave Scott and SOR.
3: Here we go with the third and final hour of Spaced Out Radio tonight. My name is Dave Scott. Very much appreciate earning your listening ears wherever you are on this beautiful planet we call Earth. Hello to everyone listening in on our terrestrial affiliates around North America. Digitally on Odyssey Radio, talk stream Live. At KPNL. All of our archives are free. Join us at youtube.com forward slash spaced out radio. Do me the favor, hit that subscribe button. The Desert Clam has set the password for tonight in the Issawar Space Travelers Club. What do you got for us, Clam? Cackle it. Cackle it is your password. Use it wisely, space travelers, as the Clam sets the password each and every night. Right here on Spaced Out Radio. Our website, spacedoutradio.com, we have a plethora of features for you. Rock out to Bumblefoot, read the news wire, check out our swag as well. Follow us on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio, Instagram at Spaced Out Radio Show, and you can join us on Patreon in the SOR Space Travelers Club. It is that time of the night where we say hello to Steve Stockton from Among the Missing and another. Great story.
9: Hello, friends. Welcome to Among the Missing YouTube channel on Space Out Radio. I'm Steve Stockton, and I'm about to take you on an unbelievable journey of people just like you. Their stories and encounters will haunt us on Among the Missing. There's a lot of missing and murdered indigenous stories that come off the Navajo Reservation that Route 666 now 491 travels through, a lot. You've heard some of them here on this channel with their Spirited Away series. The following story was told by a father relocating his family to Durango, Colorado. Here's what he has to say. I'd purchased an old U-Haul from a dealer in Gallup, New Mexico to move my family from there to Durango, Colorado. We left Friday morning and expected to be in Durango around noon Saturday. The trip was pretty uneventful till about 20 miles outside of Shiprock. My daughter that was riding with me began to feel sick to her stomach and needed me to pull over I pulled off the road to let her do her business. She was 12, so I didn't worry too much about letting her out of her own to have some privacy. After some 10 minutes or so, my daughter hadn't returned. Concerned she was sicker than I initially thought, my wife sent me to go look for her. I got out of the truck to go check on her, walking in the direction that I saw her going, calling her name the whole time. I began to feel concerned, though, when she didn't respond, until I quickened my pace and felt a pall of dread descend over me, as I recalled all the stories I'd ever heard over the years about this devil's highway. I've never been one for superstition much, and always thought those who told those stories were nervous Nellies or just straight-up liars. In a full-on panic now, though, I raced further down the road, screaming out my daughter's name. My terror couldn't have been more absolute when I heard the shrill, ear-splitting scream that only a 12-year-old girl could make, come from a ravine just east of where I had been heading. I suppose it was the adrenaline that kicked in and gave me strength to sprint those last twenty yards. I grabbed my daughter into my arms and raced back to my truck in what felt like mere seconds. Once we were back in the pseudo-safety of the van, I asked my daughter what happened. She said she ran off looking for a quiet place to throw up, and she wasn't sure which direction she'd gone or how far she had traveled before she was overwhelmed by this need to throw up. She was forced to stop until the stomach cramp subsided. Just as she was getting ready to start back to the van, she saw a young Indian girl running towards her, not much older than herself, running towards her and calling out a woman. The girl said, Spirits cry, not for thee. Leave this place or die like me. This is when she said she screamed. I showed up, grabbed her, and ran off. I told my daughter and the rest of the family to lock the doors behind me. Keep them locked. I want to go look for this young native girl. My daughter, in what seemed to be a state of shock, shot out her hand on my arm, looked me in the eye, and said, Don't go, Daddy. It's too late. Feeling very frightened now by the look and demeanor of my daughter, I said, What do you mean it's too late? There's a little girl out there who needs our help, and I'm gonna go find her. I'll never forget that feeling of spiritual vertigo and lament at the loss of my daughter's innocence as she calmly replied. Didn't you see her, Daddy? Didn't you see that she was holding her own head in her arms? I told you, Daddy. It's too late. Now, you don't have to believe my story. Hell, I wouldn't. But please do me this one favor. Take the 40 to the 20, or take the 70 and come down from the north. But please, for the love of God, stay off Route 666. Now these are just a few of the stories associated with the infamous Devil's Highway, Route 666. History has seen many changes to the area. The highway is five lanes now and the road crews continue to make improvements. When the number of the highway was changed to 491, it seemed to take the negative air that surrounded the roadway with it, for the most part. Sightings of UFOs, ghostly girls, monsters, skinwalkers, hellish big rig trucks and flaming children have slowed, but there is still plenty of history and stories, new and old, lore and tales, sightings and disappearances. The Devil's Highway will never escape its legendary mysterious past. This could simply be true due to the higher than normal accidents and fatalities that happened along this road, but if you do, find yourself along 491, the former. Highway 666, the devil's highway. Be wary of the things that go speeding down the highway past you or for people asking for a ride. It might just be the last time you're seen alive.
3: Oh, that's just creepy. Absolutely creepy. Thank you, Steve Stockton, for another great creepy story on Among the Missing to kick off hour three of tonight's show as you do each and every Monday through Friday night. You want more stories like that, just head on over to youtube.com forward slash among the missing and hit subscribe from the missing to the mysterious mountains of Montana. You know what it's time for. Here comes super duke. As yes, the man, the myth, and the legend, Super Duke all rolled into one. How you doing, buddy?
5: Hey, bud. Good to be here for the weekly visit with you and all of your wonderful followers and listeners.
3: Well, we should have uh, an exciting little piece of news that if you miss this segment live, you can always go over to Super Duke's YouTube channel. Sorry, it's this way, Super Duke's. <laughs> What the hell are you? There you go. Super Duke's YouTube channel, and catch this segment again on his channel. And, and thank you, Duke, for the collaboration uh, on uh, putting Spaced out radio on World Bigfoot Radio as well. That when you came up with that idea, it was so weird and and so synchronistic because I was thinking about that, and I love the idea, and I appreciate you you approaching and saying, "Hey, dude, let's do this."
5: Well, yeah, why not? I can use more content for my channel. I'm only on once a week, and it's not like this is throwaway content. All, all the viewers on my channel are missing it. I actually prep for these shows and try and find really good stuff and you know interesting news bits and old reports and stuff like that to talk about, none of which is on my channel. <laughs> so, uh, you know, it's a it's a win-win. Uh, they find out that the show's going on over here. The late-nighters maybe start showing up for it. And in the meantime, you probably get some subs out of it. So, you know, everybody collaborate.
3: Everybody wins. Everybody wins. I love it. Everybody
5: wins. Yeah, and that's going on with me this week. I had a gigantic Bigfoot clearinghouse channel, NVTV, which just put out a video every day. It's either like whatever is the newest thing, they'll put out a video on it.
1: 100 free blades on your first
7: purchase and no subscription headaches. HensonShaving.com slash holiday.
6: Hey Diane, holiday shopping?
7: All done. Everyone's getting the new iPhone 15 from T-Mobile and T-Mobile's covering the cost. Plus I got four lines for 25 bucks a line per month.
6: I gotta get to T-Mobile.
7: Get four
2: iPhone 15s on us with eligible trade-in when you switch to T-Mobile. T-Mobile. <laughs> Minimum of four
8: lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fees, 24 monthly bill credits for well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge apply. CTMobile.com. Or
5: like something from five years ago and there's nothing new and they'll just put that out because everybody forgot about it and they put that out. So they got a video like every day and they finally figured out if they provide attribution that the people they stole the video from won't show up and yell at them and give them copyright strikes, which is going on for years. So, so when they put mine up, somebody uh, went, hey, Duke, they shared your video, and I went and looked at it and right away at the beginning of the screen. Oh, this video is from Duke at World Bigfoot Radio. And I'm like, okay, but good, go ahead and have fun. <laughs> and they used, used a lot of stuff from Blaine. And I remember Blaine, uh, Blaine got really bent out of shape one time because they showed the whole damn video where he's got all of this really cool video But it's like, unless you're a Bigfoot expert, you're not going to be able to pick out the Bigfoot in the background. And in the end of the video where he picks them all out and shows them off, they cut that part of the video out. Oh, no. So he got really bent on his shape. And uh, apparently at some point they used some picture of his for a thumbnail. And Kelly Shaw from Rocky Mountain Sasquatch was trying to find a suitable thumbnail. And he thought it was something that they had. Rights to so he used it and blaine showed up going, what the hell are you doing playing using my uh, picture without giving me any credit and kelly's all like i didn't know it was your picture man. <laughs> you know? so this, this kind of stuff happens a lot it's
3: uh fairly hilarious but you yeah. know the
5: ones that do it on purpose that's a different story where they steal somebody else's stuff and then claim it's theirs
3: you know what I, i'm naughty. having that trouble on uh rumble and once mm-hmm. we get a few things going, there is a Russian channel out there that is actually taking my content nightly and capitalizing on it. And so I have to. Well, what are they
5: wait? Are they dubbing it in Russian or something? No, they're, they're, they're
3: playing it in English. They're <laughs> okay. playing it in English. And and it, it, there's a couple Russian channels on, on Rumble that if you uh, type in spaced out radio, you'll actually find them. Which is kind of neat, but I mean, I right now it's like okay, could use the promotion, but you know what? They're making money off of me, and and I don't have a Rumble channel, so
5: oh well. If you saw the vast amounts that could be made on Rumble, you wouldn't be griping nearly as much because <laughs> it's like nothing unless you're getting a million views, you're not getting anything from.
3: Well, you. put it this way: I know the channel has uh, a lot more subscribers on it than than my own personal YouTube channel for spaced out radio. So <laughs> Awesome. They'll, they'll, yeah. they'll find a YouTube one. They'll come yeah. over and
5: sub over here.
3: Yeah, right. Like, hey, <laughs> at least share the subs. You know, before I <laughs> shut down your channel, but uh yeah, I'm gonna you know what? It it's really sad that, you know, there are people out there that'll actually go and make money off of your content and and try and fool the world on it. You know, so it's kind of interesting
5: yep there was uh, another example of that is uh this kept coming it comes around every so often but the last time was on uh sasquatch minnesota breakdown i can't remember exactly what the name of the channel was but somebody had sent it to him saying that they had recorded it locally and they got a a series of bigfoot hauls. and they were legit Apart on the part of yeah those were actually bigfoot hauls. in fact there's three bigfoot making noises but it was not local. They had actually stolen it from a field researcher in Louisiana and claimed it was theirs. And I know the guy they stole it from. Oh, no way. This stuff happens pretty frequently.
3: Yeah, it does. Yes, it does. Super Duke, we got 10 minutes to go until we get to the bottom of the hour. What do you got for us tonight?
5: Well, first two brief, and uh, three brief announcements. One, uh, Iron Dogger, who's probably still in the chat room, is going to be on my show this weekend talking about Bigfoot up in Alaska, and the one trackway that she found one was 26 below, and she was out snowmobiling. Wow. <laughs> Pretty cold to be walking around barefoot, huh? And then, uh, of course, she, was, uh, the, she got her name from the Iron Dog sled race, which at the time she ran, it was 2,000 miles. That's a lot of snowmobiling. And her and her partner, Misty, were the first uh, female team ever in history to complete the race. And since then, now in this age of smash the patriarchy and girl power, there's only been one other female team that have completed the race in the 20 years since then. So she is a very tough lady, and uh, she's got some really interesting stories to listen to. She's got some orb video, and she was also recently investigating the Stone Giant's door in the side of the mountain in Oregon, which is really close to where she's at. <laughs> so we're going to have that in there too. So all you guys that are all fascinated by the the Stone Giant door that you've been seeing going viral all over TikTok, uh, come on over to my channel this Sunday for some updates on that. And also, there was recently a picture released of a car wreck On Interstate 35 in North Texas, I think it was. It's somewhere in Texas. Uh, There's a whole, you know, multiple lanes of traffic. The cars are all snarled up, piled up. And over on the right-hand side where the big barrier on the side of the road is, there's this humanoid-looking monster that just stepped over it, beaten butt into the woods. Guess what caused the car wreck? (laughs) And at least one person got a pretty good picture of it. And we've looked at it quite uh, quite a bit and passed it around to the experts. And this is one of the few times where we're completely stumped. We do not know what the hell this thing is. It's not a Bigfoot. But it uh, apparently caused a car wreck. So not, not a good critter. And then for the last thing, of course, coming up here in a couple of days, we've got uh, Thanksgiving here in the 50 weird states. So happy Thanksgiving to everybody out there. Remember, Thanksgiving symbolizes being together and not fighting with each other and having a peaceful day and eating until you're so full you can't fight. And also try and remember that uh, during some of these holidays, there are people that have very little to nothing or perhaps they don't have any family and they're spending a holiday alone and try and help those people out, too, and give them a Thanksgiving.
3: Absolutely.
5: So, like, now that I'm done being all maudlin and sappy, um, here's some really cool Bigfoot reports. And we're back to David Weatherly's Monsters of Big Sky Country book again, all the way up to page 62. And we are going into the mid-1970s now. If you guys remember from the last show, we had that sheriff here that got so many reports in his area. When he retired, he became a Bigfoot researcher and actually turned out a book on it because it was just like, what the heck is going on around here? And, you know, him and all of his deputies and everything were investigating the reports and they came in instead of laughing which is how he got started out in the first place. So this is after that section in the book. And we're going to start out with Mrs. Presley Lay and her son, along with his wife and children, saw a creature in the fall of 1974. The group were near the Bitterroot River. Hey, I'm about three miles from that. When they spotted the Bigfoot about 200 yards from their position, the creature was covered in brown hair, walked upright, and swung its arms in an exaggerated fashion as it moved quickly from one side of the clearing to the opposite side. The account was then sent to uh, famed Canadian researcher John Green. The Cascade County Sheriff's Office received a report on December 26, 1975 from a pair of frightened junior high school girls. The first girl, a resident of Great Falls, was spending the Christmas holiday with a second girl who lived on a horse property outside of Vaughan. Late in the afternoon, the girls noticed the horses were in an agitated state, stamping the ground rearing up on their hind legs and acting otherwise erratically. The girls quickly discovered the source of the horse's agitation. A figure about seven and a half feet tall was about 200 yards away from the property's mobile home, about 25 yards away from a thicket. As recounted in Mystery Stalks the Prairie, quote, The Great Falls girl found a twenty two rifle belonging to her friend's father and looked through the scope of the creature. She described its face as dark and awful looking and not like a human's. "'The girl said the creature was seven to seven and a half feet tall "'and twice as wide as a man. "'Hoping to frighten the creature away, "'the girl fired the rifle into the air, "'but the hairy thing didn't react. "'She waited a short time, then fired again. "'Although the girl had not fired toward it, "'it seemed to behave as if it had been shot at or even shot. "'In a bizarre display, the thing fell to the ground "'and started to pull itself along with its arms as if injured. "'After covering a short distance, it stood back up. "'The two girls had seen enough. "'They turned on their heels and retreated from the area.' When they looked back to see what the creature was doing they spotted three or four other creatures helping the first biped get into the cover of some bushes and i'm sorry if i read this last week i don't remember if i got to this one or not captain wolverton was impressed by the report and the obvious fright displayed by the girls served to reinforce that they were not lying or trying to pull a prank the girl also volunteered to take a polygraph test and both of them passed it the night after the incident captain wolverton under sheriff glenn osborne and Deputy Dick Gazwoda went to the area of the sighting and conducted their own search for the creatures. Wilberton used a starlight scope to scan the area, and the other men went into the brush to try to flush out anything lurking out of sight. While the officers didn't spot any Bigfoot in the area, they did find a number of tree breaks that were unusual and similar to those found at other reported sighting locations. The officers also spoke with the blonde girl's father, who related his own tale. The man told the lawmen that shortly after midnight on Christmas morning, he was awakened by a sound he described as, quote, like a human dying in agonizing death, unquote. The man took a flashlight and went outside to investigate. While a witness acted bravely, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, he, his dog did not and refused to go outside. Apparently, he either failed to find anything or retreated back inside. Whatever the case, Wolverton doesn't note any further information about the incident. The captain himself returned to the property again the following day and walked around the area hoping to find footprints, but discovered nothing. The unsettling sound heard by the Vaughn witness was also reported by other people in the area. The following month, a man living just a few miles west of the property reported the same disturbing sound. Just like the Vaughn girl's father, the man noticed that his dogs, who were normally aggressive, were acting afraid, standing up against the house and making very faint barking noises. Now, echoing the bond man's report, the witness also said the scream was like that of a man dying in pain. The noise lasted about five minutes. In February 1976, a resident of BAB called the sheriff's department to report that she and her husband had heard the weird sound the previous summer. While it's unclear why the woman waited so long to report the sounds, it's notable that the pattern was the same. A miserable moaning echoing in the night and dogs had acted terrified. According to Mystery Stalks the Prairie, she said other residents of BAB had heard the sound too and she understood a man from Browning had actually seen Bigfoot on Logan Pass and Glacier Park the preceding summer. Authorities did not have the man's name, so they could not check this story. Now, on February eleventh, 1976, Captain Wolverton received a report from an airman who said he had found bipedal tracks near Beaver Creek in the Rocky Mountains. According to the airman, the creature that left the tracks had three toes. Heavy snowfall prevented Wilberton from investigating the scene closely, but he did fly over the area hoping to see something from the air. He reported, however, nothing unusual. Not long after the two girls had their weird encounter, a pair of boys in Ulm, a few miles southwest of Great Falls, had a sighting. It was February 21st, 1976, and the boys were near a bridge that crossed over the Missouri River. One of the young men saw a hair-covered arm reaching out from some bushes. The second boy, who was further ahead on the trail, saw a tall creature with dark brown hair and, quote, glowing whitish-yellow eyes, unquote. The boys reported the incident to the sheriff's department, but it was more than two weeks after the sighting, so officers felt it was pointless to investigate. The boys were given polygraph tests, and both passed. Something must have stirred the creature up that week because the following morning, East Helena resident Leonard Hegel was traveling on Interstate 15 south of Great Falls International Airport when he spotted a large bipedal creature moving across a field around a quarter of a mile from the highway. Hegel stopped the car and got out with his 357 Magnum in hand. He ran into the field to pursue the creature and got within about 700 feet of it, but when it turned and faced him, he decided to retreat back to his vehicle. Hegel told Cascade County Sheriff's officers that the hairy thing was about seven feet tall with three-foot-wide shoulders. His wife and children were with him at the time of the sighting. Also in February 1976, a young man named Leonard Semgard had a fright when he was on his way home from school one afternoon. The 13-year-old boy usually walked through a field on his route, but on this particular day, the field was occupied by an eight-foot-tall creature covered in dark hair. The boy rushed to a phone booth and called his grandmother to come retrieve him. The following month, on March 7, a woman phoned and spoke with a deputy sheriff to report a creature sighting. She said the thing was crossing a road on the highway north of Vaughn when she spotted it. It was reddish brown and hairy. The woman said the beast was standing in a ditch with one arm forward, and she had the impression it was about to cross the road.
3: Super Duke on World Bigfoot Radio, right here for the Cryptid Report. We will continue with these great report stories from Super Duke right after this on Spaced Out Radio. Stay tuned. Final half hour is next. Yeah, and I agree dude. with that assessment.
5: When you've got that many encounters happening that fast, one right after the other in a small area, there's something going on. Couple, <laughs> que- They're usually way better at hiding.
3: A couple questions from DB Nobody here. Do you think Bigfoot has anything to do with the missing 411 phenomena?
5: Uh, yes, but not nearly as much as some people like to say. And, and Dave, Dave Polites is heading toward the UFO thing too, by the way.
3: Oh yeah. Also what's the
5: connection, they abduct uh, Bigfoot just like they abduct humans.
3: I wish I could say something right now. I can't. Yeah. Well, you can ask Robin
5: about that. She'll tell you the same thing. I know. I'm going but... to have a couple drags up. Yeah, and say you, before you go. Back you go. Here.
3: You go. Thanks for that question, DB.
5: No problem, buddies. <clears throat> Super Duke.
3: Don't you have to exit your chair to go for your smoke? Yeah, I, I have to. Like, move. all right. I'm pumped up for Reno. Pumped up. <clears throat> Sovereign Farts just walks through the forest ripping hard. He rips hard ass right there. hmm Oob, Joe's main, you've got Bigfoot. How's Lola tonight? That gorgeous Lola. Good morning, Stephen Finnegan. How are you?
5: Okay, any big fans of Expedition Bigfoot out there, you better enjoy that show while it's on. And I got contacted by uh, somebody who's trying to find a cast to make another Hollywood show to replace it. So I don't think it's going to be on more than another season.
3: Hmm, That's sad.
5: (sighs) Maybe they'll get a better show. I mean, look, they had finding Bigfoot on for ten years and they couldn't find Bigfoot in ten years, not even one. That's not very entertaining
3: Well, oh, come on, give him a break
5: <laughs> after ten years, no, we did it in one try they don't get they don't get anything from me but ridicule.
3: Come on, not finding Bigfoot,
5: yeah, never finding Bigfoot as we like to call them. Yeah, and somebody in a chat room earlier was saying, yeah, I, you know, I had sent them a bunch of stuff, and they were looking at it, and they were getting set to maybe do a whole season on urban Bigfoot, and then they got, you know, canceled, and I went, "Well, oh. after 10 years of not being able to find him in the woods, you might as well give the urban area a shot. <laughs> Dave, it's not that hard. You found him in one year. Oh, I know. Season one of Dave Goes Looking for Bigfoot, success. Big go. Yeah, Derek. Yeah, he had, well, he was ill for a while too. I'm glad to see he's still around. He's the one, he's the one on their cast that I actually like, cause you know, he's been doing it for a long time. He used to be on shows with Autumn Williams years ago. We
3: got 30 seconds.
5: Bad Daddy, exactly. You can't find Bigfoot. You've got to get Bigfoot to find you.
3: Fifteen seconds. Thank you to Preacher, Anita, and Pam H. for the super chats. Very much appreciate the love and support. And we're going to get going here momentarily.
5: (laughs) Brown D, (laughs) yes.
3: Here we go, the final half hour of Spaced Out Radio tonight. Thank you for joining us. My name is Dave Scott. Very much appreciate earning your listening ears. want to remind you that if you miss most of this show or others, check out our free archives by going to youtube.com forward slash Spaced Out Radio. Do me the favor, hit that subscribe button. Our website, spacedoutradio.com, we have a plethora of features for you. Rock out to Bumblefoot, read the news, wire, check out our swag as well. Follow us on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio, Instagram at Spaced Out Radio Show, and you can join us on Patreon in the SOR Space Travelers Club. We continue on with Super Duke from World Bigfoot Radio, and we are hanging on out. It is story time here with some incredible encounters. Super Duke, welcome back.
5: Hey, I'm back. (laughs) and happy upcoming Thanksgiving again, everyone. And you already heard the message. I'm not going to give it again, but keep that uh, blissful, peaceful feeling in your heart and be very careful of large gathering areas because some bad people might be planning on doing something. So stay away from them. Meanwhile, back to the
3: report. Hold on, hold on a second here. (laughs) Whoa, 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 whoa. I'm pulling the reins in here. You're not telling people to not go shopping at black friday are you
5: Mm, i doubt any of those would be good targets of opportunity
6: Hey Diane, holiday shopping?
7: All done. Everyone's getting the new iPhone 15 from T Mobile, and T Mobile's covering the cost. Plus, I got four lines for $25 a line per month.
2: I gotta get to T Mobile. Get four iPhone 15s on us with eligible trade in when you switch to T Mobile. (laughs)
8: Minimum of four lines for twenty-five dollars per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. Five dollars more per line without auto pay plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at twenty-four monthly bill credits for well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. Thirty-five dollar per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com.
5: Yeah, I would say like, you know, big sport gatherings and big concerts and stuff would be what you'd want to avoid.
3: All right, because cause Duke, I draw the line. If if This interview would have been over if you were saying to our great American public not to be heading to the stores on Black Friday and beating the living tar out of each other, okay? I need that. I need that. The world's yeah. watching, America.
5: Well, so does the Jerry Springer crowd that don't have a show to watch anymore, and that's the ones that are doing it. So, anyway, back to the Bigfoot reports. <laughs> Later that month, a teenager said he saw a hairy creature standing in the middle of Dempsey Road in Great Falls, Great Falls north of me. The boy was riding his bike around 9 o'clock at night. The creature ran through a hedge in the yard of a house and vanished. Like many other witnesses of the period, the boy was given a polygraph test and passed. And at this point, I'm going to break in and give a Bigfoot report that isn't in the book. One of the people that was one of my team members for about five years was driving from Great Falls to Missoula and saw a Bigfoot standing on an open road adjacent to the freeway watching the cars. And only because he turned his head at the right second as he zoomed past it, did he see there was this massive humanoid figure filling up most of this one lane road going up into the trees, standing there watching cars. So then he contacted me. And after this, it, you know, <clears throat> he became one of my, you know, my best research assistants, found tons of track directors, blah, 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 you name it. But that was how he got started. He's just driving down the road, going to visit mom, down in Missoula, looks to his side. Oh, my God, what what is that? Yeah, well, it looks like about a nine-foot Sasquatch standing in the middle of this little road, <laughs> watching the traffic go by on the freeway adjacent to it. So this is like fairly regular around here. Most of this stuff just doesn't get reported. I mean, he never filed a report on it. So later that month, the teenager said he saw a... Okay, we got that one. Blah, blah, blah. Or did we? Uh, Dempsey rode in Great Falls. The boy was riding his bike around 9 o'clock at night. Creature ran through a hedge in the yard of a house and vanished. Like many other witnesses of the period, the boy was given a polygraph test and passed it. The following month, another young man spotted a... Uh, tall, hairy creature near his home in Helena, and Helena is the capital of Montana, so it's a good-sized town. According to Captain Wilberton and Deputy Ken Anderson, who investigated the case, the boy woke up around 4.30 a.m. on April 4th because he was restless. He stood in his room looking out his second-story window, where he had a good view of the pasture to the east of his home. At around 5 a.m., the boy spotted a, quote, tall, hairy creature walking in the pasture coming from south or the right. The boy estimated the creature at about eight feet in height and told the officers it moved with long strides while its arms went back and forth like a human's would. The boy provided the officers further details of the thing's appearance. According to their report, quote, creature did not appear to have a neck, but it was capable of turning its head and appeared to be looking around. Except for its face, it was covered entirely with brown or black hair, about an inch to inch and a half long. The boy could not describe the creature's face, but said the nose appeared, quote, pushed in, unquote. He also reported that the thing's forehead protruded out, then upward, to a rounded head. The witness said the creature's movement was very smooth, and it did not appear to bend its knees very much as it walked. The creature's arms were thick, and there was no visible curve in the small of the thing's back. As the boy watched the hairy beast, it moved directly east of the house, where it was joined by another smaller creature. The witness reported the second creature was the same color as the first, but about a head shorter. Oddly, the larger creature reached down and picked up a dark colored object about the size of a bale of hay with something flapping on ends that looked similar to a piece of dark plastic. As the boy observed, the larger creature passed the item over to the smaller figure, then they continued toward the house. The creature came to within about 100 feet of the boy's home, at which point it appeared to look directly toward the young man's window. The frightened boy rushed downstairs and reported the incident to his father. By the time the boy managed to get his father to the window, the creatures had disappeared. The following day, the young man's sister found a track in the pasture, and she and her brother covered it with wood until the next day when they made a plaster cast of it. Officers Wolverton and Anderson were impressed by the young man's testimony and noted that the boy was upset over being misquoted in the newspaper, where it was reported that he had claimed the initial creature was 10 feet tall. The boy drew sketches of what he saw and gave them to the officers. The officers made their own cast of the track find and discovered that it was 3 toed 17 inches long and 7 inches wide. Apparently, the property was quite a hot spot for Bigfoot activity. While speaking with the boy's father, deputies learned about another incident 12 days prior to the boy's sighting. The boy's father reported that he had been taking a bath when he heard noises outside the bathroom window. He got dressed and went outside to investigate, and he discovered a large footprint in the snow outside the window. He reported that there were also other scratch marks on either side of the print. Wilberton and Anderson soon found that the whole family had stories to share. The boy's mother reported that a range of strange things had been occurring around the property. She reported hearing what sounded like heavy running outside the house, and she told officers that the family dogs had been acting frightened. Additionally, the family was hearing weird sounds they described as something between an elk bugling and dogs howling. Even more bizarre is a note regarding other tracks in the area, as reported in Mystery Stalks the Prairie.
9: Beautiful. Up here?
5: <clears throat> Quote, as officers searched the pasture area where the two creatures were seen, they noticed both cattle tracks and horse prints. When they asked the boy's father where the horses were taken out to pasture, he replied, there's never been horses in that pasture. Three-toed creatures, phantom horses, what exactly was taking place at this property? As far as the sheriff's office was concerned, the reports were valid, though unexplained. Wilberton's official report stated, quote, after talking to the boy and his family, I believe the boy did see what he reported. Another incident reported to me by a correspondent details of July 1976 sighting. A woman and her daughter watched a hairy creature for half an hour in Phyland Gulch. The woman had driven up a remote logging road, and they were picking berries when the daughter noticed a biped uh, biped several hundred yards away. She described the creature as about eight feet tall, with straw-colored hair on its head and shoulders, and darker brown hair on the rest of its body. Yeah, that must be nice camo. The thing was clearly watching the woman, and as it did, it moved its head from side to side. As the woman observed, the creature's head movements stopped, and it stood still. Finally, it sat down, keeping its attention on the two women. The daughter was curious and wanted to get a better look, so she started walking towards the Bigfoot. She didn't get far before she lost her nerve and backtracked. The women got back in the car and left the area. Now, the Great Falls Tribune mentioned another incident that occurred in July 76, five miles from Great Falls. A female motorist traveling at 5.30 a.m. on I-15 saw a hairy biped standing near the Great Knoll on the freeway, about 20 feet away. The creature was between seven and eight feet in height and covered in dark brown or black hair. The woman was shocked by the sight and stopped her vehicle as she watched the creature walk away to the west. Curiously, the same day... A 7.9 earthquake struck central Montana. Was the creature on the move that day because of the earthquake? Some researchers have noted a correlation between earthquake activity and Bigfoot sightings. Perhaps like other animals, they're sensitive to the pending earthquake about to happen. A report from July 21, 1976 came from four men who said they saw a pair of bipedal hairy creatures walking along a hill toward the Rainbow Dam. The brief incident was noted in the Great Falls Tribune in its July 31st edition. This vague report was one of many in 1976, a very busy year for Montana's mystery creatures. In October, Gail Cuptee of the Vaughn area had a sighting of an eight-foot-tall beast that appeared to be raiding her chicken coop. (laughs) And boy, if you want to hear lots of reports of Bigfoot raiding chicken coops, just go anywhere down south. There's tons of them. Kapti and her son had found the gate of a sheep pen open during the day and 18-inch prints around the pen. The prints were human-like, but had only four toes. Grain had also disappeared from one of Kapti's storage bins, so it was clear that something was treating the Kapti farm like a buffet. The woman was alerted by her dog barking that night, which led to her seeing the creature. She described it as, quote, tall, tan, and ape-like, with very long arms, unquote. When the creature realized He was watching it, it ran away at high speed. Uh, OregonBigFoot.com website mentions a September 76 sighting from Silver Bow County involving yet another group of Boy Scouts. In this case, some Scouts on a bus spotted a tall, hairy creature running behind some bushes before it vanished into a logging area. The creature also reportedly had a horrible smell. The sighting took place near Browns Gulch Boy Scout Camp in Butte. Another account sent to me reports that an unidentified game guide and two clients hunting in the Tobacco Root Mountains, man, they're such interesting uh, names here, (laughs) Tobacco Root Mountains, in October 1976, reportedly saw a pair of Bigfoot that stood 8 to 9 feet tall. The creatures were in a clearing about 100 yards from the men. Both creatures were coal black in color, but one had a white streak on its back. In the book Sasquatch the Apes Among Us by John Green, he includes a brief note about the three men near Gerber in Cascade County who spotted a Bigfoot in April 77. The creature was six and a half feet tall and covered in thick black hair that was about four inches long. The men decided to chase the creature. It initially ran, but then turned to face the men. Purportedly, the men stood their ground and drove the creature off. The Anomaly Research Bulletin, Issue number 8, reported that a pair of campers saw three Bigfoot near Silver City, Lewis, and Clark County in June 1977. The creatures were a staggering 10 feet tall. A BFRO entry reports that a man out doing some night fishing in August 77 ended up sharing some of his catch with a Sasquatch. But it wasn't by choice. The man was fly fishing along the Missouri River near Hauser Dam in Lewis and Clark County. He used some rocks and formed a small circular pool near the water's edge to hold the fish he caught. It was after 11 o'clock and very dark, so the man placed a light on a boulder and continued fishing about 20 yards upstream of the light. He realized he had lost the fly off his line and headed back to the light to get a new one. As he approached the boulder, he noticed movement around the area and used his light to get a look at what what he was dealing with. And he received quite a surprise. Quote, I was starting to hear a crackling sound and see movement from the brush. I pointed the beam directly at the movement, only 10 feet from me, and got a full view of a hairy bipedal creature moving very rapidly up the bank and quartering away from me in the downstream direction. It was very large and muscular, with long dark hair and seemingly no neck. Estimated height, 7 to 8 feet, guessing four or 500 pounds. I could not see its face as it was moving away from me. It took long, powerful strides, and its arms were moved powerfully as a man would move walking very rapidly. It was amazing to see how quickly it traversed over the boulders and up the steep embankment. I had the creature in the lamp beam for only a few seconds before it disappeared into the darkness. When the shocked fisherman turned to check on his catch, he received another surprise. Before the sighting of the creature, I had four trout ranging from two to three pounds in that pool, and after the sighting, there were only two trout. The creature must have been foraging along the river's edge and found an easy meal note that it left him too. <clears throat> the man took the remaining fish and his gear and headed out of the area sasquatch the apes among us mentions a report from the same year august 20 staff sergeant fred wilson of malmstrom air force base reported and this is my favorite sighting from montana that he and a group of boys had been taken out into a, a wilderness spot uh camping and spotted a bigfoot wilson said the group spotted a quote 15-foot creature on a ridge in Belt Creek Canyon. The incident occurred at 2 in the morning. Heavy rain had moved into the area, leading the group to break camp. They were on their way to their vehicles when they heard noises that attracted their attention. By a flashlight beam, they saw a very large, hairy creature standing near a clump of bushes. According to Wilson, the thing was, quote, covered with long hair, having no neck, And standing on two legs. It was Wilson who estimated the extremely large height of 15 feet. One member of the party grabbed a shotgun and fired two shots in the creature's direction as it started running toward them. They made it into their cars and fled the scene. Wilson later took a polygraph test and passed. Uh, The guys, they don't include it in here. But his eyewitness statement on what it looked like is he said it looked like a Mack truck coming at them. It was 15 feet tall. It was taking 40-foot strides, and it scared the living hell out of them. They barely could stay in front of it. It got caught up to the vehicle and buffeted it a couple times before they got going fast enough to put distance between them. So it was apparently not happy.
3: No kidding.
5: Uh, Around the same time, but farther west on the outskirts of Missoula, Missoula, oh yeah, that's where I live, a young girl out horseback riding had a daytime encounter with a Bigfoot. The girl was riding in a wooded area bordering the Rattlesnake Wilderness. It was a peaceful summer ride until both the girl and her horse were startled by something unusual. As she recalls, quote, my horse stopped dead in its tracks and we rode through a meadow. There I was, face to face with a Bigfoot. that was about 10 feet away from me. It was peeking out from behind a tree. It just stood there looking at me and didn't make a sound. I slowly turned my horse around and ran home. It must have stood at least seven feet or more taller than myself. That was the only time I've ever witnessed one. The woman reported her sighting years later, 1997, to the BFRO. She has a note in the 97 statement that indicates activity still continuing in the region. She says, as of today... My husband and myself built a home on the Clark Fork River on the outskirts of Missoula. Hey, that's where I live. (laughs) And over the last two summers, we heard an odd sort of scream that sounds almost like a prehistoric bird. Really gravelly. And it travels very fast, covering a lot of ground. This sound only happened in the summertime, usually right before daybreak or right after midnight. And the neighbors have also heard it, but no one can figure it out. It kind of sends chills down your spine. And all the neighbor dogs start to bark like in your tape recordings. The witness was indicating recordings of purported Bigfoot sounds. The witness also added that her grandparents had spotted a Bigfoot 30 years previously. The couple saw the creature running through a river bottom near their home in the Swan Valley. They said it looked like a hairy man loping through the brush on the river bottom that ran in front of their home. Apparently, Boy Scouts in Montana have a high probability of encountering a Sasquatch because yet another troop of Scouts spotted one in July 1978 in Lewis and Clark County. According to the brief report given to me, a jamboree was being held near the town of Helena, and two young scouts spotted one of the creatures at the edge of the river. The beast was described as gorilla-like and about six feet tall. The two boys observed the creature picking leaves off a bush and eating them. After a few moments, the Bigfoot walked into the trees and disappeared. Unfortunately, no further details were provided, nor was the original source of the account reported to me. A hunting trip in the fall of 1978. I mean, my God, we're barely making any progress through the 70s here, Dave. I, I'm you know, it's funny freaking
4: reports are Give a report.
5: Jesus, yeah, this place is just overrun with Bigfoot. Please, come take some. A hunting trip in the fall of 1978 resulted in a Bigfoot sighting in Madison County near Virginia City. The witness recalled the sighting in a BFRO report and says he and his cousin, along with his father and uncle, were out for an early morning hunt on October 21st the opening day of deer season. The reported witness and his cousin were riding in the back of a pickup truck as the group made its way up Alder Gulch. The pair was scanning the area looking for deer. On their right was a hillside meadow covered with high sagebrush. They spotted what they first thought was another hunter, but quickly realized the figure was in all black, something a hunter would never do. Looking at the figure, they realized it was an animal of some sort, and they knew what they were observing. As the witness recounts, make no bones about it, the animal had the distinctive dome-shaped head with no neck, broad shoulders, and was solid black. The animal was facing us and slightly bent forward and looked as if it was resting its right arm on its right knee. It occurred to me that he or she knew it got caught out in the open and it was just going to sit there motionless and hope we would drive right by. The closest tree line was about 50 yards away from the Bigfoot and it had taken us only about 15 seconds to get back to where we could see the sagebrush meadow again. <clears throat> and the witness later stated that the figure had, quote, no neck. And both men recall the incident to this day. The witness added, quote, I have hunted most of my life and have seen most animals that live in these woods. My cousin has been hunting all his life and knows every animal that is in the woods as well. We'll never forget that morning. And we talk about it with each other occasionally. Kalispell, yet another town in Montana's newspaper, the Weekly News, reported an incident in June 1979 involving two men who told Whitefish Police that they had found tracks in a stream bed. A group of officials, including a game warden, a forest ranger, and a police officer, went out to investigate the report. Now, how different is that from some other states? You give them a report, they laugh at you and, and tell you to go away. Here they send out a friggin' you know, team.
4: <laughs> go investigate.
5: It's probably legit. We get pickfoot reports all the time. They're all over here. The men found three clear prints on a sandbar, Several others on a gravel bank, and more in a nearby pasture, the tracks were seventeen inches in length, nine inches wide, and showed a stride of almost five feet. The Holy. game warden estimated the creature was in the neighborhood of seven hundred pounds. Oh. a pla <laughs> yeah, and that's probably a light estimate. A plaster cast was made and sent to a scientist at the University of Montana. In the winter of 79, a motorist on Highway 200 saw a light colored Sasquatch. Are we running out of time?
3: We've run out of time. Yeah, run Super- out of it.
5: Well, we ran out of 70s reports, too, so 1980s next time.
3: Super Duke, thank you. We got Mr. Ron Bumblefoot Thal. rocking in the background with Little Brother is watching. Bumblefoot is the official music of Spaced Out Radio. rocking us in and out of every single show. Get your horns up for the guitar god himself. Special thanks to everybody listening in, at work, at home, in your cars, wherever you may be. Thank you to everyone in our chat rooms tonight. YouTube, Twitch, LGAP, Facebook, Spreaker, LinkedIn, Space Travelers Club, and on Twitter at Hashtag Spaced Out Radio. I know you're out there somewhere. Remember, this show is copyrighted by Spaced Out Radio. And SOR Media Ventures Limited, thank you so much for choosing to share your evening with us. Because together, my friends, we own the night. Mr. Bumblefoot, we need a favor. We need you to take us home. Yes, the Woo Train has docked for the night. But soon, my friends, we shall ride again. Your seats are always available. Your tickets never expire. If you want to bring a friend, we got room for them, too. Good night.
6: Hey, Diane. Holiday shopping?
7: All done. Everyone's getting the new iPhone 15 from T-Mobile. And T-Mobile's covering the cost. Plus, I got four lines for $25 a line per month.
2: I gotta get to T-Mobile. Get four iPhone 15s on us with eligible trade-in when you switch to T-Mobile.
8: Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for well-qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection
6: charge applies. See t Hey Diane, holiday shopping?
7: All done. Everyone's getting the new iPhone 15 from T-Mobile, and T-Mobile's covering the cost. Plus, I got 4 lines for 25 bucks a line per month.
2: I got to get to T-Mobile. Get 4 iPhone 15s on us with eligible trade-in when you switch to T-Mobile. <laughs>